0: Get it going, it's time to get up. The Vancouver Canucks have just rattled off back-to-back victories against the top team in the North Division.
1: I thought it was a really good team effort and a good example of just sticking with the game and sticking with the game plan and not getting sidetracked or getting down if things don't quite go perfect.
0: These guys are here to break it
2: all down. And The word is that the Buffalo Sabres are quote, wide open, that they are listening on all options.
0: Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. They give you guys three hours in a row to talk? This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabulski and Perry Solkowski. Let's
1: go.
3: Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver, and to all the wonder women, to all the Captain Marvels of the world, happy International Women's Day. It is Monday, March 8th. This is the starting lineup here on your Home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650, and it's game day as well. James Sobalski here, Perry solkowski there, Greg Balak on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until nine o'clock this morning here on Sportsnet 650. And what a show we got lined up today, pair.
4: Oh, you can't go wrong with a Monday morning. By the way, as, as you said, International Women's Day. uh So that is fantastic. I know we are surrounded, uh the better halves all around us. That makes it good. So. Everybody, enjoy your day. We'll get into it. Who would think we would be here on a Monday in a game there where you, I told you, March means enjoy the games, don't look at the standings. But we'll take a peek exactly where they are because you might be looking at them in about a week's time. We'll get into it with Kevin BX, as we always do in the 7 o'clock hour. Fair or foul, what's good or bad out there in the world of sports, we'll get that at 7.30. Uh, at 8 o'clock, James, looking forward to this interview as we were talking about International Women's Day and what we do, who should we talk to, or why not? The first woman to play in an NHL game, Mano Rayon, put on the pads and played for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, She will join us, her son playing college hockey in Notre Dame. And just look at where the female game is now. The women's game is just so impressive now. And Manon was that trailblazer, played a handful of games in the AHL in Las Vegas. So we look forward to that. Uh, We'll get into all that. Chance to win past the puck was played on the weekend. We'll get into that as well. So... Looking forward to the conversation, see what Juice has to say about a hockey team, James, that a week ago you wondered, and full credit to them, and what I thought might have been their best game Saturday night, and they do it without number 40.
3: Well, and, and yeah, I mean, a lot of people looking at this, maybe their best performance of the season as a team. And are, are we just on the same page that JT Miller needs to stay at center now? I mean, what an engine. <laughs> What a player. The, uh, you know, this is, this is a guy who seems to have kind of found his groove. Like, you know, remember that movie, how Stella got her groove back? I mean, this, is, this could be the story of how J.T. Miller got his groove back, and it was by putting him in the middle because, man, he has been a catalyst for creating offense for this team the last two games, and they have swept one of the best teams in the National Hockey League in a double dip, the Toronto Maple Leafs. J.T. Miller, man, he created offense. He created havoc out there.
4: When a player at postgame says, I feel a little bit more engaged, uh, that's telling. That's telling that he can kind of wander on the wing and not get involved. And, and it seemed like we saw his head disappear. Here's what I say. Guaranteed next year, and I know you love this, and I, I, it's going to be difficult to do. But after watching Saturday night, I said next year, uh, not what we're going to see Monday if Peterson's back or whatever, next year, you have to build this team We'll get into whether Jim Benning's the guy, if he's here for a couple more years. You build this team with PD as your number one center, JT Miller as your number two center, and Bo Horvat as your number three, Beagle's your number four. That's what you want. There's your depth down the middle that can match any team in the NHL. Now there's some big issues. Where are you going to find some wingers? Well, that's what you go shopping for, right? That's what you go shopping for. Is it easier to find a winger than it is a center? I like how JT Miller has played there. I don't have an issue if he stays there and Petey's on the wing. I would also contemplate whether I'm putting that lotto line back together. You know, you saw Brock Besser go up and down a lineup last year when he was struggling. Petey's put up some numbers, but there's been a lot of hockey games. I think you take her a little bit. And, you know, Travis Green said after the game, ah, I'm not going to get into it yet. But you and I are on the same page. Put him at center and see what else you can do. Let, let someone else uh, move. He played center ice and took a lot of faceoffs last year. But I like the move. I love him there, and I love that look for next year.
3: Would you even consider putting Bo on the wing with Petey?
4: No. No, because Bo's a centerman. Bo's played well. You know who I thought didn't get a lot of credit in the last two games? I think these have been the two best games Jay Beagle has played all year. Like, that fourth line actually, you know, was acting like a fourth line full of energy. Mm-hmm. But, no, nah, I, I, I want three guys strong down the middle. And, yeah, you lose a lot. But if you went Petey, Miller, Bo – Love the look of that lineup.
3: Uh, Howard looks noticeable, right? Got some jump. Yep. Plays with a little tenacity. Um, you know, I'd love to see him playing alongside Tyler Mott. You know, what that a line like that would look like if you get Mott back to full health, and if you've got Beagle in the middle there, and you got Howard on one side, you got Mott on the other to see just sort of pace that the line like that could kind of push the pace but here's here's JT Miller going back to what we were saying look Miller just looks like a different player these last two games it's a small sample size but man did he look effective playing in the middle and you know he was asked about it and he was pretty honest about his feelings about playing in the middle
5: yeah obviously we know injuries are part of this so everybody's gotta you know I heard what Brock said about you know next man up and that's really true it's always room for someone to step in and and, um, you know, I feel very comfortable at center. Um, I told Greener that you know, when PD got hurt and um, I want to be there. I think I'm more engaged in the game at center. It makes me really work back into my own end and make sure I win, win my battle or have good coverage. And it just, um, you know, I think it engages me a little more. And I feel, you know, when we defend well, and I understand that when we defend well against a really high-skilled team like that and a good line, I've been playing against, uh, playing against Tavares a lot. And, you know, he's such a good player, so I take pride in that. and uh, you know, I like the challenge, and um,
2: obviously it's just nice to win the games at this point.
3: If you're hoping to engage this guy and get him back to the player that he was last season that this market fell in love with, mission accomplished, right? Keep him in the middle, at least for the foreseeable future. Petey's still listed as day-to-day at this point based on the last update on Saturday night from Travis Green, so I guess it's just a question of when he ultimately returns to the lineup, you know, still don't know yet whether or not he could conceivably return tonight for the Montreal Canadiens, who look like world beaters on Saturday night in a win over the Winnipeg Jets. But, man, keep, keep JT where he's at right now, right? You've got a good uh, thing going with this lineup, and you're doing it uh, without your best offensive player.
4: Well, you know, it's interesting. And, and the Dunbar-Lumbar text line is uh, Lumbar text line is jumping at 650-650. Sign him, please. Someone here, Pedersen is not a number one center. Please stop calling him one. Bowen Miller are better than him in the center position because of what he has done. He doesn't have the strength to compete there. Um, Petey's too weak to be effective. Defensive zone PD has been the problem all year long. He plays bad, never gets benched or docked minutes. And the other guys can see that. Can we stop calling the PD train and admit he is flawed and needs work? Listen, I would not go that far. I do think Petterson's game, he was elevated to that role because there was nothing else there and you wanted the creativity. I think JT Miller came to camp this year going, I'm a goal scorer, and that's it. And so if he's not scoring goals, he's not helping. And now, you know, if he goes to Travis Green and says, put me there, I'm engaged, you see the difference that he can make. I I do think Pedersen, and it goes back to me, you know, when when people asked about his weight, and he kind of scoffed at the media, are we still there? Well, it's still part of the game. I do think Pedersen's puck battles have not been as good as you want them to be. The effort, the tenacity is there. But you need to be a little bit of a bigger body. I'm not going to go as far as this person who texted in is, not please sign your text. But, you know, Petey missing a shift or two is something I can't recall happening very often. And that's why I say I'm not so sure that if Petey is healthy, automatically he goes right to that spot. And JT Miller's gone. I don't mind the little jump that Hoaglanders uh, put on that so-called lotto line from last year and go, oh, you, you run around there for a bit. We'll see where we can slot you in, Petey.
3: I think this market loves Petey. uh, And I think what's not to like when he burst onto the scene and the things that he can do from a skill standpoint, very, very few players can. Um, But I think at times we probably overrated him in this market. And and that's the reality where, I mean, look, Elias Pettersson was in the conversation, there were odds that you could place on Petey winning the Hart Trophy this year. He was Mm -hmm. a long shot but there were odds to be taken to claim uh, the Hart Trophy. Now, that died pretty quick, right? Within the first, uh, what, two weeks of the season, he had, what, one point in the first six games or so, first seven games. He's starting to find his groove again. I would say the last month or so, he's been close to a point-of-game player eclipse, Clip, but he looks like a far cry from the guy who was a point-of-game player in the Stanley Cup playoffs last summer. He has not looked like that guy. Now, it's only his third season? Are are we have we seen the best version of Elias Petterson just yet? No. I think there is and I think there's a lot of questions to be answered in terms of just how high this ceiling is, right? Can he be that franchise guy to carry this team? I think if you look at the bubble, it, it looked evident that he could be that guy. This season,
4: not so much. Well, and you have to struggle a little bit. You know, Brock Besser was a topic of conversation on this radio station, a guy that you were unsure what is Brock Besser, and yeah. I think Travis Green at some point last year thought, man, where is Brock going here? Okay, we'll, we'll figure it out, but he's not scoring right now. And and even though Brock Besser scored, what, for the first time Saturday night in eight, you weren't going, okay, Brock Besser's not bringing anything to this hockey team, arguably been the MVP of this team just because he's become a consistent pro. And I do think because of PD's start, they leaned on him, James, going, oh, okay, like, do something magical here and when it's not happening. For him to be watching these last two games, when a power play is clicking without him on there, when they're playing hard as a team, uh, it means, okay, I'm coming back there to do maybe more for the team. And not that he's a selfish player by any means, but going, okay, they're working hard, and now i got to jump in and work just as hard and maybe not try and win it on my own, win it together.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I don't think Petey's at a point where he needs to be benched, but, you know. I think there's definitely room for improvement from a faceoff standpoint. I think we've seen at times improvement going into this season compared to years past where it was always Miller kind of taking the key draws. Um, but, hey, look, it's nice to have options for this team, right? They're playing well. Now, with Montreal tonight, It does feel like Mission Impossible. There's four points separating the Habs and the Canucks right now in the standings, Montreal holding down that fourth playoff spot in the North Division. And, look, the Habs also have five games in hand. So, you know, playoffs, playoffs, uh, that feels ambitious. And, you know, Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. Dave at Abbotsford saying, guys, it's not a Canucks in a song, but it's Canucks in a line from a movie from Dumb and Dumber when he says, so you're telling me there's a chance That's the theme of the week. (laughs) Look, if you still want to go down that road, you need to sweep the Habs. It's as simple as that this week. You need to sweep the Habs to even continue this conversation. But, you know, four points plus another five games in hand, you know, you're talking about possibly a 14-point gap to try to make up in the standings. Um, You know, talk to to me Thursday morning if the Canucks have swept the Habs, and even then, I still say it's going to feel ambitious, but I'll tell you this pair. Um, I think the real talking point over the weekend was what we saw from Friday from Jim Benning, as we kind of wrapped up the show and Jim Benning finally kind of came out of hiding, um, climbed out of Wyerton Willie's, uh, hole as well. And Oh, Hey, Hey, Hey guys, what's going on? Um, uh, you know, I guess you give him credit for speaking with the media and, and kind of and took it for a good half hour plus with the media for the first time really since training camp to kind of meet with mm-hmm. members of the media. So I don't want to give him too much of a pat on the back because it's like, man, you can't be that invisible. Um, but I'll tell you, hope and optimism weren't two words people were using after G- general manager Jim Benning spoke publicly for the first time since camp. Uh, as mentioned, like his responses just continue to leave people. Um, convinced that he's not the answer here right now. You know, offering, offering a response. You know, here's, here's one that really drove people nuts. When talking about the trade deadline and people asking, hey, look, are you going to start looking at selling assets now? Here we are. It's early March. It's a crazy year. Quar- dealing with quarantine issues and all of it. And here's what Jim Benning said with respect to whether or not the Canucks are trying to move assets now, well in advance of the trade deadline.
1: Realistically, like we are our, our core players, like, you know, they still need to mature a little bit. Yeah. You know, we got 16 games to the trade deadline. Um, like I said, the last couple of weeks we've we've been in all the games. So we're going to you know the one thing about our group is we got a resilient group. They're going to work and compete every night. Playing in this Canadian division is tough. The teams are, you know, playing against the same six teams over and over again. Um, they're they're good teams.
3: That like telling me what, what is- there's 16 games to go. Like to to be talking about still trying to compete in the playoffs. You know, over the last few weeks, pair, and this is where people go. What the hell are you talking about? You know, the Predators have at least kind of floated out there, you know, through various reports that, hey, we're listening, right? The Buffalo Sabres over the past weekend. Kevin, Kevin Adams, you know, out of Buffalo, suggested on Friday, you know what? Our best hasn't been good enough. This has been terrible. You know what? We are open to listening on anything right now because they have to. Look where that team is. And you look at where the Canucks are right now, and you've got a slew of bloated contracts, and you're telling me with the numbers, with the season you had, ah, you know what, we, we still got 15 games. Come on. Come on. I don't have, that I is don't have wrong. a problem with that. Oh, when you're, come when, on. When you're
4: Nashville and when you're Buffalo, they're listening They're listening to their best players going, you might be able to pick something up from Nashville that'll work. There's a, there's a pile of talent in Buffalo that's not working. Can we rescue somebody out of there and make it? But who are you calling? Are you calling Jim and going, hey, are you you all in with Quinn Hughes there? How about Brock Besser? Do you want him? Listen, you know that Sutter would be available. You know that Pearson will be available. Jim went on to say with Scotty Show, too. Hey, they'll likely have a conversation with Alex Edler near the end and close to the trade deadline going, you want to chase something? But for now, he's not lying when he says there's 16 games left. We've got people on our text line saying, you're telling me there's a chance? You and I just discussed, you know, you beat Montreal twice here. Yeah, you got five games in hand, but this team has played some pretty good hockey in the last three weeks, and now they're starting to get rewarded for it. Why does he have to decide now and say, yeah, no, we're, we're pretty much everybody's on the table? I'm sure they are. Jake Furtanen's been on the table for three years. But for Jim Benning to say, you know what, we'll make those decisions, we're still not at a time to go, yeah, we're completely selling off. We're selling off because they do think they believe in the room and how they played, there's still a chance. I was okay with Jim's answer, and I was actually oh, okay with his answer that we're two on. years away. I don't know if Jim's here in two years, but come I do think on. this team is two years away. Why do you want it to sell everybody right now? You know, people are thrilled to go, hey, we've just moved Tanner Pearson for a pick. Excellent. It's, so you're it's saying, the messaging no, no
3: pair. It's the messaging pair. It, wouldn't it be easier to simply suggest, hey, look, you know, we're in constant conversation with other GMs. We're listening. Nothing's imminent right now. It's the messaging. You can't sit there and continue to be – to sit there with a straight face and say we're still in it. We're still in it. I get I get the players in the room might say we're still in it, but come on. You do the math. Don't tell me that Jim Benning hasn't, isn't aware of the math with the analytics department that they have. There's some smart people in that front office. You got to know. You can't sit there and sell hope to a market that, you know. Come on, man! Like this is a smart hockey market,
6: you know. So yes, it's a go a little nuclear say, at
3: times, but come on, man! You got you got to sit there and say, yeah, we're listening. How do you not? How do you not say that? But
4: yes, the messaging is the problem, and that's why Jim Benning stays away a lot. But they've been listening forever on these guys. But I also think, as a GM, you don't go, no, we're terrible. Now we're done. We're done. I mean, just, the guys can play well. There's no chance they could get it done. They're playing four-point games all the time. They've got eight points up for grabs against the Habs. They just beat the best team back-to-back. Back. Arguably, people who might say the two best teams are Winnipeg and Toronto. get got three or four against them. So he comes on after a win. Is he supposed to say, yeah, no, I mean, we still believe. And there's still time for it. Why does he have to make a decision right now? He doesn't. And whatever the messaging is to the public, you don't think every other GM in the NHL knows, hey, GM, what are you thinking yet? Well, I haven't decided yet. What if we reel off seven in a row? Then do we're we going to go, why did he sell now? They're on a roll. I don't have a problem with what he said.
3: Okay, so there's that. I mean, I, I thought of the other head, head scratcher was when he suggested Bo Horvat was playing, like, the best hockey of his life the last few weeks. And I was like, what? Really? Okay. Mm. Uh Ah, are we watching the same games here? Are we sure about this? Uh that was another one that kind of surprised me. Uh and then, you know, Benning kind of saying this with respect to the contention window and Jim Benning saying essentially that the Canucks are 2 years away from being Stanley Cup contenders.
1: Realistically, like we are our, our core players like, you know, they still need to mature a little bit yet and you know, I, I think, you know, in, in two years time, I think we, we're we going to be real competitive and have a chance to compete for the Cup. But we have to, you know, keep building, keep adding players to our group and our and our young core players have to continue to grow and get better.
3: I, I, I will say this. I don't think he's necessarily wrong when he suggests that the Canucks are two years away. Right. Like, I don't think anybody believes that this team is a Stanley Cup contender this year. And quite frankly, I don't, I think next year might be another step back. But if you look at the summer of July 22, man, like all those bloated contracts that people just continually kick Jim's rear end for Erickson, Beagle, Roussel, Sutter, Berchi, Ben, Edler, you know, even the Luongo recapture, you know, we're talking about nearly $30 million in cap space that is going to be freed up between this summer and next. So there's a relief financially coming, but. The other problem with that is you're talking about nine years to put this team in a position to contend for a Stanley Cup pair. Like nine years. You're asking fans to stay patient here after almost a decade of rebuild. Like we're coming up on the seventh year anniversary here in two months when Jim Benning was hired. Asking for another two years for this guy, this is a tough one for me. Like I just can't see Jim being the guy after this summer. I just can't. I just can't at this point because there's still too many holes. You may be getting these contracts off the books. Yes, you can always add through free agency, and with a flat cap there might be some value there a pair come on you know we don't you know there's no guarantee that cole Lynns for real there's no guarantee that jack rathbone as much as he's exciting people in a small sample size in utica there's no guarantee that vasili pod Colson. like there are some major question marks for this team to before you can say this team is a stanley cup contender in two years like look at teams that are contenders right now Vegas, Colorado, Tampa, like, that are those are some deep, badass squads. The Canucks are nowhere near that right now.
4: No, but uh, the guarantee is uh, all the money that he spent on the bottom six is coming off the books in the next two years. So now it's how do you shop? How good are you at shopping? I completely agree with Jim Benning that you're a couple years away from being in that conversation to be there as long as everyone progresses. And then he said as much with Scotty, too, that, you know, we've been able to kind of isolate and help out and support these young stars and go, Hey, here's some veteran guys and we paid a lot for them. Now it's on you to be the leaders and lead the way. But yeah, the question is, is Francesco Waclawini and no one knows it's up to, it's up to Francesco is Jim, the guy. And is he buying in go, Jim, I see how it's happening. Yeah. Okay. So here's what we'll do. Sutter's up the books. We're going to be able to find this person. Pod Colson will come in. He'll be like Hoaglander and see, I, I think they are two years away. But Jim Benning being in charge in two years' time, I'm not sure. I think we've both had the conversation that Jim Benning will get a lot of credit if this team ever gets to a Stanley Cup because of the drafting he's done. But I'm not necessarily sure he's the guy at the helm, and he doesn't know. He just wakes up every morning, and when he's the GM of the Vancouver Canucks, it's how do I make our team better? And for you to say, hey, he's got to sell right now and get more draft picks, I disagree with that. Let them play it out, see where they can be. They will be good in two more years' time. But can people wait two years? I think so, James. I think people were excited about what happened last year. And I think they're fine with it. With it. You know, to 10 years' time, that's long for a GM to have. But to actually be a solid contender again, it takes an awful lot of time to get back there.
3: Nine, nine years in Jim's case. 650-650, uh, the Dunbar-Lumber text line. Uh, do you buy into that theory that this team is two years away? I and are you so. willing to wait that long are you preaching patience a lot of people here on the Dunbar Lumber text line six fifty six fifty love to hear from you uh chime in here uh Torgan Langley um I don't believe the Canucks are making the playoffs but the organization as a whole including players believe if they don't then we have a much more serious problem in terms of what Benning's saying trying to maintain that hey we're still in it to win it um you know, it, it's, there's a lot of different ones here. Van City Zavid, and Toronto. I was with Perry on the slides and socks, but when it comes to Jim Benning, Perry, I couldn't be further apart. Uh, Benning needs to go. He's made Bettman look good, saying a lot, but saying nothing. Seaball, you would make a terrible GM, and even on radio, that's debatable. <laughs> that's okay. All right. All right. There you go. It's uh, So a lot, people kind of split in this in, in some respects, but, I, I would say this: If you're asking for another two years to try to get this this rebuild going, uh, Pear, there's a certain point where you know the thank you Jim movement is real, uh, and and you know here's the other thing: that that Benning is saying that he talks to Francesco Aquilini daily, daily, that he's aware of the plan and he knows what's up and sees what's going on, and they stay in constant communication. Man, like, that, there's a whole other question in terms of, you know, if Francesco is aware of everything that's happening and how it's all playing out, like, I guess you question how much is Aquilini playing the puppet master controlling all this in terms of the decisions, right? I, I think a lot of people would love to know. Now, I think for all of us to expect Francesco Aquilini to come out and talk, that's probably unreasonable, right? Because outside of Jerry Jones, how many owners talk in pro sports? Mark Cuban, Jerry Jones, unless you're in Texas, you don't really talk. It's rare. But I will say this: It's a huge failing on Aquilini for not finding a replacement buffer when Trevor Linden left. Massive, leaving Jim Benning to handle a role that he is completely miscast in. You know, if Jim Benning, Jim Benning, I think is still a good hockey guy. He has made some good decisions to bring in some some people. But I think it has absolutely crushed consumer confidence in any sort of belief in him overall because of the way he gets in front of the media and it just seems to always be a grenade that seems to blow up on him pair he needed a buffer uh, you know the the brian burke element we see in pittsburgh he needed a buffer a senior hockey guy a voice a guy who could be that media liaison that what trevor linden was so good at handling up until three years ago you have the money there should have been somebody in place to help jim benning
4: out on this one well, at the end of the day, I think consumer confidence goes in what the product is on the ice. Jim's not a talker, he's a doer. And he put together a hockey team that he believed in. So, you know, over the last couple of weeks, or the last week, there's a lot of people going, hey, man, let's be positive. You're right, there's there's a lot of things to be positive about. And who knows, we can continue tomorrow morning if they beat the Habs. And Jim Benning, before all the moves in the offseason were made, you're watching him in August in the bubble in Edmonton going, oh, Jim Benning's done a really good job putting this hockey team together. Okay, so is he torn it apart? I think most people are feeling, yeah, it's that time. But, you know, in a week's time, in two weeks' time, James, if they're winning some more hockey games, Jim may be going, you know what, it's not as bad as people think. And maybe Aquilina's going, yeah, you told me that on Monday. And we're going to talk on Tuesday. Don't be throwing it all on Jim just yet, man. I give them, I'm i giving him till the trade deadline. If this team's not a postseason team, I would expect someone else is in charge.
3: Well, there you go. Save the date, Uh, one month and four days to the NHL trade deadline, April 12th. 650-650, keep them coming in. There's some great ones uh, we'll get to here momentarily. And also, still to come here on the show, we've come a long way, but we still got a ways to go. It's International Women's Day. We shout out to all the women, all those wonder women in sports, and we'll do that next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650.
0: Welcome to The Starting Lineup with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. All right,
3: 633, Cebulski, Solkowski, kicking it with you. Uh, Kevin the will join us just after 7 o'clock, and the uh, first lady of hockey, Mano Rayom, dropping by just after 8 here on Sportsnet 650. Dunbar-Lumber text line hopping as always bright and early. Uh, Ricky texting in here, pair. Wait two more years. I've been waiting my whole life. So I guess in theory, that's just a short window, right?
4: You know, I remember getting into a conversation with a a GM in the NHL, still a current GM, going, boy, it's going to be tough for this Canucks hockey team to figure it out when you lose not only one superstar but two, and they've still part of their top line. Like he just thought it's going to be so difficult to replace the Sadines and move forward. So I, I know when Jim Benning's calendar started as the GM of the Canucks, but did the rebuild not really start until the Sadin said goodbye? I mean, can you make that argument that in 2015, if this team doesn't make the postseason, you go, all right, let's, let's figure it out. They're not good enough now. What are they going to do? But they make that postseason, and then they kind of hung out and what are we? Are we good? Are we bad? Do we blow it up now? Do we think we were good enough in 2015 and we get it? So I, I don't think you can take it from they've started to rebuild as soon as Jim Benning took over this team. I would say they've been rebuilding for the last four years.
3: I think you look at certain teams and you look at how the Rangers have kind of adjusted over the last couple of years and put themselves in nice shape. Now, granted, they also benefited from having a first overall pick and a second overall pick in consecutive years. Uh, They also reeled in one of the best free agents that were out there uh, in Artemi Panarum, which has certainly accelerated a rebuild for them when they finally kind of, you know, waved the white flag a couple of years ago and took the big ad out of the paper. But you look at how they've kind of done it um then you look at a situation like say detroit like how long are they away from from turning things around you know look at the Sabres. how long they've been kind of going through it um you know mark and courtney uh so yes all this money comes off the books but do you trust jim benning to spend it wisely history says no i think that's That's, fair right i think the trades you know you can you can look at a win with jt miller uh that's been a win for a trade, right? I think you can look at, the, you know, I think obviously drafting Pedersen, that's been a win. You know, drafting Quinn Hughes, that's been a win. Drafting Brock Besser, a win. That's your Demko wins. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to the free agency spending, um, you know, I think the JB, like, look, and, and I understand, hey, man, like, I also understand the logic at the time where, look, how do you attract t- veteran players, guys with a good pedigree, how do you attract them to come to bad hockey clubs? you got to overpay, right? I mean, you overpay at the best of times in free agency. Uh, they're feeling the pinch, though, right now. And, unfortunately, there's just too much of it, right? It's just too much with the the Louis Erickson deal, the Beagle, the Roussel. Like, there's some guys that offer value out there, but just not at the price point that they are.
4: Well, and I, I wouldn't even, you know, the Louis is one thing. that it's a category by itself. Hey, Beagle is 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 what it is. You got a Stanley Cup, and he wanted that kind of leadership. At least he's in the lineup. Brucell's in the lineup. I have a I have a bigger problem with the Berci right? You might have a bigger oh, issue with okay. Hated you, it. You bel- hated
3: it from the beginning. Yeah.
4: It it was ridiculous that that he got that much for a guy that really just seemed to be an outside perimeter player. Um, you know, and, and I think more recently with Jake. Okay, you're going to stick with that. There's a trust that he put in a guy coming off an 18-goal year. You know, I don't think you complain about Tyler Myers. Tyler Myers was the big free agent defenseman that was available. They did their due diligence, had their dinner with him, and got him the very next day. So is he more? Well, it's market value. You have to pay $6 million for Tyler Myers, but he filled the void. You know, I think Jim's mistakes were three years ago when he paid too much for term. But the fact is, all right, does ownership, and as, as the text indicates, do you believe Jim Benning's the guy to have that credit card and go spend again when he's been better at drafting uh, than he has been at shopping? And uh, that is, there's one man, one family that makes that decision, and I think they will make that decision based on how this team finishes. If they finish on the upswing but are still outside the playoffs, they may go, you know what, we're going the right way. We saw it. We, we, we buy what you're selling to us, Jim if they don't, they may go see what's available and go, okay, whoever gets the keys to this car, they'll probably say they're two years away from being a Stanley Cup contender.
3: Uh, Jono uh, saying uh, two years is okay with me. If you see growth and accepting the fact that the money is not there for at least two years. Uh, there's Jono. Uh, Micah also texting in at 650-650. I am salivating over the idea of Pod Colson playing with PD or Bo. If we must get rid of Jimbo, give him another draft at least. Pedersen, Hughes, Hoaglander, Podkolzin, I challenge anyone to find a better draft record the last four years, that coming from Micah. I think from a top-heavy standpoint, it's certainly been encouraging for sure. Um, but there's been some misses too, right? And you look no further than Yolevi and Vertanen, at least over the last, uh, you know, in the seven years that he's been here. All right, let's get into today's edition of Says. Seaball Says. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I'm speaking.
0: He never met a soapbox he didn't like. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650.
3: Today is International Women's Day, a day to celebrate all the boss ladies and the future wonder women of the world.
0: Wonder Woman.
3: Well, we are better about celebrating inclusivity today. And for those of us that sometimes internally complain about these moments, let's just remember this. It wasn't always this way. Love and respect for women didn't always happen in sports, and it wasn't all that long ago. It was on display when I was breaking into with the media. Back in 1995, I was a newcomer working in radio covering sports in Ottawa. At the time, there were very few women in sports. There was a local sports caster, Her name was Carolyn Waldo. I remember guys ripping on her for any sort of name mispronunciations that she may have had. And they howled, howled that she didn't know anything about sports. Carolyn Waldo was an Olympic gold medalist. Canada didn't really have too many of those about 30 years ago. Think about that. Telling an Olympic athlete and a gold medalist at that, that they know nothing about sports when they owned the podium against the best in the world. There was another female reporter who was also a colleague. She was salty. A firecracker of a personality who could make most men blush with her language. But still, she was tested. And I will never forget the day where one player in the National Hockey League stood there naked in the dressing room and coughed obnoxiously and loudly in hopes of getting her to turn around and get her attention while she was trying to do her job. Think about that. One woman in a room with close to 40 men, median players, and she was being tested like that. We're talking 1996 here. We've come a long way since those days. But that's what women used to endure. I'm a dad. A girl dad. I have two daughters and I'm also helping raise two more in a blended family. I wasn't perfect growing up, and I'm still not. Many listeners will agree with that. About time you owned up to that one, Sabolski. Fair enough. But Walter Gretzky's passing this past weekend also made me think of just how much my own dad means to me. He also raised two daughters trying to steer them in the right direction, all the while being an overprotective parent because, well, he was a cop. And all these years later, one of my sisters, she now wears a badge. I look at what's happening in the world these days, and what can I do to help steer these future Captain Marvels into the right direction? I'm inspired with what's happening nowadays. At home, my better half, she's a Ph.D. neuroscientist. Yeah, that's my Wonder Woman right there. She's an incredible role model for the kids. But then I see what's happening all around the world, and I think they're being inspired everywhere I turn, and in sports too. We're on the back end of Serena Williams' wonderful run. Same with Christine Sinclair. pair of sports icons, one globally and one a household name across Canada. It wasn't that long ago when Ronda Rousey was one of the biggest draws in the fight game. I'm still a wrestling nerd at heart, and some of the best matches these days... They come from the likes of Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, and the women in the WWE. Unthinkable a little more than five years ago when most of the company was known for brawn panty matches. And as an aside, how about that scene in Avengers Endgame when all the women gather for a moment to help out at a critical moment to stop Thanos?
6: Don't worry. She's got help.
3: Yeah, the kids still love seeing that. And then there's women's hockey. Is the women's league where it needs to be right now? No. But I recently saw my cousin's daughter streaming a game because she's a young player. It has to start somewhere. Women inspiring women. We are a long way from 20 years ago when I was covering the Canadian Women's University Championship and there was a member from the Canadian Women's Olympic team who whispered to me quietly in the crowd and said, I can't believe you guys are covering this many games of this. This is Women's University Hockey National Championship and she was unbelievably stunned that we were covering this because the hockey was such an inferior level in her mind. Like I said, we have come a long way And it's only going to improve. As a parent for my girls, I will do the best I can. But it sure helps when they see more opportunities presenting more inspirational stories from women for women. And I remain encouraged that the girls' future is unlimited, as Russ might say.
7: I am strong. I am invincible.
3: Invincible. I am one So to the moms, sisters... Daughters, boss ladies, and all the future She-Hulks in the world, I say to you, happy International Women's Day. And that's the story. Amen, brother. Says.
4: Amen, brother. You and I both surrounded by it, raised by one single woman. Uh, and it is amazing what they can do, just get out of their way. You know, it's funny. We watched the UFC on Saturday night. Amanda Nunez fighting. And Woo. honestly, to sit in front of a TV, and my daughter happened to be up. And watch it, and she's kind of on her phone and looking and seeing it. Man, and, and Nunez was incredible again, and she said, you know, afterwards Joe Rogan's talking to her, you're the GOAT, you're the Lioness, no one, can, no one can get in your way. And she goes, you know, the difference is even now, I love what I'm doing, but now I'm a mom. So get out of my way when I've got to protect. Now, it's not just me. I'm the mom, I'm the Lioness, I've got the cub with me. Everyone get out of my way and go, yeah, no, I'll agree with that, man. Um, as strong as you can find, you're better off. Surround yourself with some strong more it shouldn't be a day should be the year and I think we're slowly understanding that and it's amazing you tell that story about how tough it was Mano Riom will join us you're talking about 97 98 and pro locker rooms for reporters interesting the story she may give us at 8 o'clock James she was actually playing played in that exhibition game with the Tampa Bay Lightning in 92 at 20 years old interesting to see how she was treated
3: Looking forward to that. Kevin Exit just after 7 o'clock. What's next there, P?
4: Hey, man, one of the longest records in golf broken on the weekend. You may not know why. It's not B.S. It's B.S. ahead on a game day on Sportsnet 650.
0: He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call B.S. You want answer I want the truth. It's not B.S. Just P.S. with Perry Solkowski.
4: Welcome back on a game day. A little time for B.S. or P.S. I'm not sure which this is, but is it possible that Brad Marchand is logical in his assessment of a suspendable hockey play?
1: You know, that was a bull hit. Uh, Brando had his head down in the corner and, you know, he took a liberty on a guy that was in a vulnerable spot. So um, that's a that's a cheap shot there. And, um, you know, we, we lost a great player.
4: Seven games for Wilson because of the play on Saturday. Ovechkin didn't buy it yesterday. But you know what, James? Give some credit to Marchant and a good a hockey player he has come. It's actually been three years since he's been suspended. And I know these are kind of <laughs> truncated seasons. But maybe, just maybe, he's not the rat he used to be. Reputation will be with him forever. But oh. it's been three years.
3: There's that hey uh, pot, meat kettle. <laughs> right, come on. I mean... I don't know if I don't know if Brad Marchand could be the moral authority of like talking about you know egregious plays, right?
4: That's why I said. I'd like
3: Brad Marchand, but you know
4: he kind of lost a bit of the moral high ground. That's why it's a segment called BS or PS. Could be BS, but PS he hasn't been suspended for three years. Hey, one of the greatest streaks in golf is over.
1: If there's anyone that understands it and how to play these, it's Phil Mickelson. Oh come on, just go no, in the hole. No. The fans won't
0: know how good that was.
4: Yeah, last night, Phil Mickelson fell out of the top 100 rankings in golf for the first time since 1993 when he won his second PGA Tour victory. He has always been there. It's a record 1,425 weeks for lefty in the top 100. It ended this morning when he woke up. Unreal.
3: Almost 30 years. Wow.
4: P.S., there's always emotional interviews after league championships, some more memorable than others. You remember this, Kevin Garnett, when he wins the title with the Celtics? I'm so hyped right
1: now.
0: Anything's possible. Anything's possible!
4: Yeah, not really, because Garnett was part of an ownership group that wanted to buy the Timberwolves, and last week, the billionaire owner, Glenn Taylor, said, "Uh, no, you're not getting it. Garnett said, man, this is just such a crazy process. Uh, drop some F-bombs towards the owner. It's too bad, right? You want a group, I think, as a, a player, you want to give back to the community. He just saying it, it's not happening for him. So not everything is possible for Kevin Garnett.
3: <laughs> the big ticket? Rating a big ticket. He was good at Uncut Gems.
4: I thought he was good in that Sandler movie. Yes, he was good in that, too. And finally, P.S., Space Jam is back, but it'll be different when it comes to one character.
1: Has anyone here ever played basketball?
6: Um, I have. I'd like to try out
7: for the team. Hey. Hi, my name is Lola Bunny.
4: Lola? (laughs) Yes. Hello. Uh, My name is Bugs. Yes, and on this International Women's Day, news that the director of Space Jam A New Legacy is reworking the character of Lola Bunnies because he said it's more important to reflect the authenticity and strong, capable female characters he felt it felt short back in nineteen ninety-three. Yeah, it makes sense. Where we are in twenty twenty one. Lola's just gonna be smart, not coming in and getting everybody crazy like happened in the original. No BS. Lola, Lola Bunny just,
3: was quite the talking point last week.
4: She was, right? I mean you yeah. you've got it. It's it's an international women's day. You yeah, got it. Sure I, I, right? I think I I think
3: I think I saw Andrew Walker saying he would still hook up with Lola Bunny, which just screams to the level of desperation of how Walker is clearly desperate for contact in this pandemic.
4: Mm, There you go. No BS, just PS on a Monday morning.
3: (laughs) Kevin BX joins us next. It is game day here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.
0: Let's get it going. It's time to get up. The Vancouver Canucks have just rattled off back-to-back victories against the top team in the North Division.
1: I thought it was a really good team effort and a good example of just sticking with the game and sticking with the game plan and not getting sidetracked or getting down if things don't quite go perfect.
0: These guys are here to break it all
2: down. And the word is that the Buffalo Sabres are, quote, wide open, that they are listening on all options.
0: Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. They give you guys three hours in a row to talk? This is the starting lineup. Here's James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski.
3: Hour number two. It is 7 o'clock here on this uh, Monday morning. It is game day. Rogers Arena, the dreaded Montreal Canadiens back uh, who have won 4 of 5 against the Canucks uh, this season. Kevin BX will join us here. In a moment. Uh, a reminder, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you can always catch us here on Sportsnet 650 on the AM dial. You can also listen to us uh, on HD3 at 96.9, and some of you also uh, listening across the country or around the world, for that matter, on the Sportsnet app. Reminder, the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650, and you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram as well at Sportsnet 650. Uh, Tyler Toffoli rolls in, and he is, guess what? He's hot, man. For The the, the narrative that Tyler mm-hmm. Toffoli has only scored against the Vancouver Canucks this year. That's just a big poop emoji. You know, Tyler Toffoli's now got 15 goals this season, Pair Like, he is in the conversation for NHL league leaders for most goals this season. It is a remarkable story and one that continues to haunt the Vancouver Canucks so far this season.
4: Yeah, timing is everything too, right? Uh, the Habs with their issues a couple of weeks ago uh, play so well and loaded up Saturday night against Winnipeg Jets. I don't think there's anything but positive feelings as they park the bus for a couple here in Vancouver. And you'll see. I'm I'm sure the Canucks are going, you you didn't see, you saw a shell of a team against us. The way they're playing now, it's a matchup that they have to win. They've won three of their last four. Even if you go two of three and play it in three-game series, James, the conversation is still relevant that just maybe there's a shot. But you have to get it done against Montreal, right? You, you have to win both of them. You can't even split because they still have those five games in hand. They'll play them four times in the next couple of weeks, and that's pretty much it for Montreal. So great to beat Toronto. You need to, but it's the teams you're chasing. It's the Montreal's. It's the Calgary's. It's the Edmonton's to see what they can do. So uh, let's celebrate the week. But, man, it's a new work week, and, again, you got to go two of three.
3: Uh Kevin Bekza from Hockey Night in Canada joins us. The presentation of Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family owned BC company helping local business since eighteen ninety two. Juice is back at the dog park. Oh, yeah. I feel I almost feels like, you know, this is like you get in a better headspace to be at the dog park to talk to two dogs like us here, right?
2: Back to back weeks, uh walking the dog while I talk to you guys. So the the pleasure's all yours for sure.
3: <laughs> Obviously.
2: <laughs>
4: What did you make of what this team did over the last week, Kevin? Did you think they had that in them to play it and to do it without number forty?
2: Yeah, I, they did have it in them for sure. It was just a matter of of playing. I think a simple a simple game. I, I think if you watch the second game Saturday night, uh, first of all, I watched both games uh, front to back, and the the first game Thursday was a pretty impressive effort. And there's a couple things uh, that they did that really neutralized the Leafs, and in particular, uh, Matthews and Marner. And they played in Toronto's zone a lot, which I think frustrated the Leafs because the Leafs like to get the puck and go. And you got to remember, the Leafs came off a great set against Edmonton where they were playing unreal and they felt good. And for Vancouver to shut them down that first game and to basically – zone time is I think what killed the Leafs there I think Vancouver had a lot of zone time they turned their back at a lot of pucks they went low to high a lot and one time pucks off the, the indirects and went to the net and got traffic like this is not high IQ hockey this is just outworking the other team and playing a simple game and then on Saturday wasn't too sure if, if they could do it again but I think Saturday night was more of like hang in there I think uh, Toronto took it to them for probably more than half the game and I thought Demko was excellent. He seems like he's really starting to find his groove, which, which they need. And, you know, at the end of the day, the way Vancouver structured, whether Pedersen's in the lineup or not, it's, it's a power play team and a goaltending team. So they need both to be successful, and the power play was two for two. And and that's why they got the win. That's why they got back in the game and ended up winning it eventually.
3: Yeah, and that's, I mean, there's your two recipes for success that you saw last year. And, yeah, you know, case in point here on the weekend as well. What do you do with, do you keep JT Miller at center there going forward? When you look at how he's kind of ignited this offense here in the last couple of games, I mean, what do you do when Petey gets back? Do you, do you put Miller back on the wing or do you say, hey, look, the way he's being so effective out there in the middle, I think you've got to keep JT Miller out there.
2: Well, it gives you options for sure, and I think the thing about Miller is—is is if I heard correctly, he wants to play center. He yes. actually welcomed yes, he that matchup, and he loved having. And you know, like he, I've heard the comparables before with him and Kess, and mostly because of their demeanor and how they're a little bit grumpy and ornery, Salty. and yeah, and they look they look pissed off on the ice all the time. But uh, that that can make for a great hockey player. And I think when a guy like that wants a matchup, like he wants a Tavares, he wants the other team's top guy, and to take pride in it and shutting it down and and he excels in it. I think you have to give him that role. So who are they playing next? Montreal? Yep.
4: Montreal tonight for two.
2: The thing with Montreal is they don't really have like a bona fide number one center that you can do that with. But certainly when you play against McDavid and you play against Matthews and Marner again and, um, you know, same thing with Calgary, they don't really have a top line. But you can deploy Miller in in those uh, shutdown roles and, and see how he does, right?
4: Kevin Bieksa joins us as he does every Monday morning. Perry and James, the starting lineup. Uh, Juice, listen, I I think a lot of people were excited when when, um, Travis Hammock was signed here. He hadn't played hockey in almost a year. Everyone looks better when you win, but have you noticed him being more effective in the last couple of weeks in this lineup where he wasn't noticeable uh, before he played limited games and got hurt again?
2: Yeah, but I think you have to keep in mind, a guy like him, his game is you don't want him to be super noticeable. I think you want him yeah. to be high percentage, simple, physical, tough. I think he's, he's the kind of grit on the back end that, that they need because they have you know, they have puck movers in, in Quinn and, and Tyler Myers and, uh, and, and Alex Edler's uh, as old as he is. He's still physical, but you, you need somebody else. Schmidt's not very physical. You need somebody that's going to bring that physical edge and that hard to play against. So when, you know, when he gets out there against a Matthews and a Marner, he can get a lick on them. He can make life difficult. He can you know, occasionally fight fight a high, like a first-line four that doesn't really fight that much, and neither does he. But he can get in those confrontations. And I think you know, for him to be effective, he has to do that. But he also has to be simple. I think he's got to be moving the puck, take his first option, Um, you know, defending the front of the net, and that's kind of what he's going to bring to the team, I think.
3: On a look around the rest of the league, Uh, I guess first things first, what what'd you make of the Wilson suspension? Seven games. I'm a Tom Wilson guy. I just feel like it's tough to kind of defend yourself when you've kind of got such a history here.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. Like, was the hit that bad? No. Like, there's a million worse hits. I I see worse hits in my in my uh, Bantam's uh, practices, and Thing is though, the guy does it all the time. Like at what point at what point do you learn? Like when Rafi Torres was throwing all of his hits and I'm on his team and I'm thinking, Okay, like at some point, you know, like when you when you're getting burnt with these, you probably have to back right off and and, and really, you know, stay away from anything controversial. And Rafi learned his lesson and it, it took some suspensions and it's too bad, but when is this guy gonna learn his lesson? right? Like he's, he's a big, strong guy. He's a really good player. He scores a lot of goals. He's got to eliminate some of these hits that are questionable because it's, it's not, it's not 1998 anymore. It's not even 2005. Like a lot of these hits now are, are they're they're frowned upon. And when you, when you get these clipping and you get these, you know, these uh, head contact hits and you do them repetitively, I I think the league kind of looks at that as like, you know, you're you're not getting the point, you're not getting the message. You just keep doing it. So I mean, I, I made my career on walking that fine line. And can you guys believe this? I never got suspended or fined one time what? in my whole career. What? Isn't that crazy? What? Not one suspend. I never wrote a check to, to the league one time in my career. I got suspended in, um, in the AHL, but it was rescinded. I fought a guy at the end of the period, and it, they said, originally they said that I fought him after the period was over, so they gave me a five-game suspension, and I got kicked out of that game along with the, uh, the guy I fought. It was in, uh, in Utah, in Salt Lake City, and then they rescinded it, so I never even got suspended or fined. My whole career, that was the closest I ever came. Yeah, but you forgot so, to mention yeah.
3: that Colin Campbell is your father-in-law.
2: Exactly. He's actually my stepdad. He <laughs> raised me, so uh, that probably helps. And Brian well, Burke, same thing. Brian Burke is my real dad. <laughs> <laughs> so. Nah, but, but I mean, you like, you
4: played, to, but you never played dirty. I mean, you just you just handled things real quick. So I, I guess maybe you shouldn't be at that shocked at that.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, like I I wouldn't say I played dirty, but I I had questionable. Like I I could go back, like. Uh, Brandon Peary, I played with him in, in Anaheim. Right before I played with him, we played. He was in Florida, and he, they were playing us in Anaheim. I he came across the neutral zone, and I clipped his head so bad, like it was such a bad hit. And I ended up just getting a two minute penalty. I, I think he may have missed some time with a head injury. And then when we played together later, we talked about it. I'm like, I'm so sorry, like. You know I, I shouldn't have done that, and you know lesson learned and I, I got away with a couple like that, so i'm not I, I'm not on here today acting like I was an age uh, an angel but but Tom Wilson, like this guy like once you you get caught a couple times, like the spotlight's gonna be on you, so you gotta like chill the chill the heck out a little bit
4: so do you think that I mean you mentioned Rafi Torres and you're kind of watching it happen again, you know before that Matt Cook was like that, uh although Ovechkin and all the teammates in front of the media are defending him, do you think kind of quietly some of the guys in the room are going? Like, hey, man, you're a big piece of this hockey team, like, smarten up a little bit.
2: Yeah, well, they have to defend him in, in the in the public eye, but he, he that's the thing. He's such a good player that he doesn't have to do that kind of stuff. It's not like he's, like, a fourth line energy guy that has to do this to stay in the league and to have a job and to put food on the table. Like, he's a guy who's, you know, he's supposed to play hard and tough and fight once in a while, but he's got to score goals, right? That's how he makes his living, by playing with Ovechkin and, and Kuznetsov and Backstrom. So... It's just unnecessary. I just think if I'm somebody in an organization, I have to say, listen, like, we got we got to like adjust this line, this line where you're you know you're playing on the edge and, and you're and you're trying to toe it. I, we got to adjust that line and make it a little bit lower for you, so we don't run into this problem again. Because they're they're a way better team when he's in the lineup.
3: Uh, Kevin a uh, presentation of Andrew Sherritt uh, Limited. Do you like the Daryl Sutter move in Calgary?
2: I just think if you're questioning character—not character—I shouldn't say that. Let me rephrase. If you're questioning work ethic and compete, and commitment and playing tough, you know, being tough to play against, if that's what your team's identity is is being questioned, which I, I still don't get that, and he's probably the right guy. You know, he's he's been living up in the farm. He's still very in touch with with the game. He's he brings that abrasive, hard nosed no nonsense, don't ask any questions, just do it my way. He brings that style with him, and I think that's looks like that's what that team needs right now. For for Brad Trev living to give this team one final chance before he just blows it up, and it's probably in the summer, he has to bring somebody in like that. That's going to be a bit of a drill sergeant and just get the absolute most out of this group. And then at the end of the season, if if they don't come around, I think you got to blow the whole thing up. And it has to be you know Vancouver Canucks 2015 and start trading away major pieces and then be brutal for 4 years and don't make the playoffs like
1: <laughs>
2: i'm just teasing you but uh but i mean thanks, like you have to start thanks. considering. <laughs> hey but Sorry, because, I'm, hey, hey, I'm speaking of that right now guys they're going juice the t- 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 right now.
3: so juice tell me tell me this as a player right? So so there's Jim Benning, and, and he took a lot of, you know, a lot of people in this market kind of rolling their eyes the other day uh, about some of his comments saying, hey, look, this team's two years away from being a Stanley Cup contender. Do, do guys pay attention to what the GM says? You know, whether people are asking about this team selling assets and maybe trading Tanner Pearson or Brandon Sutter, and, you know, he's still kind of saying, hey, look, there's 15 days to go. I mean, you got Buffalo and Nashville have kind of hinted that hey, look, we've got you know we're putting a for sale sign up in front for players. are guy, do players within the room pay attention to what the GM's saying out there publicly?
2: Well, I don't think any player should be paying attention to uh, people that are talking about when their when their team's going to possibly win a Stanley Cup. Like I, I don't think that's what they need to worry about. I think it's it's so difficult to win a Stanley Cup, and you, I don't think you can forecast it. I think everything's got to go your way. So. I think it, it, the GM, it's just the GM in the media answering questions that he's being asked, right? So what, what is he supposed to say? Nah, we're probably not going to ever win a Stanley Cup with this group. Like, he's got to give you guys an answer at some point. So, um, Hear that? My garage yeah. door shutting. So, sorry, guys.
4: Thought it was, I
3: you thought go. you were still at the dog park. It was your dog's backside or something like
2: that. No, I'm Do you agree, Kevin, you with his right?
4: assessment that, hey, it's two years? This is a fair assessment to where the Canucks will be a contender.
2: Well, yeah, I don't know what he what he plans on doing. Um, I hope he's around in two years, but uh, that's, that's the thing about throwing forecasts out there. Like, so at some point, it's you know you you got to win now. And with the the big step that they took last year, I don't think people expected the step to be you know one step forward, two steps back. I don't think they expected to be this many steps backwards this year. So. Again, they had a great, great week, and they beat the first-place team, and and now can they follow that up and get themselves back in the playoff picture? But, I mean, this is a team that's, on paper, not as good as last year, uh, in in my opinion. So, you know, maybe he's got plans, and maybe, like you said, he's got Nashville, or he's got uh, Buffalo, or he's got New Jersey. He's got somebody in the holster where he's going to add. Maybe he's going to go out and grab Taylor Hall and shock the world. But, uh, you know... If not, then, yeah, this team's definitely a couple of years away from contending. Well,
4: what thanks, do you like buddy. about Montreal?
2: What do I like about Montreal?
4: Yeah, is they're here for two.
2: I like all the Stanley Cups they've won. I like their jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> is that
4: team farther ahead, um, or are we seeing them fall back with the coaching change because of all the changes they made?
2: No, I still think they're a team that's going to be dangerous. I really do. I think they're going through a hiccup in the season right now. They they lost Julian. They're tinkering with their systems a little bit. Um, I guess under Julian, it was a lot more lax, and I'm not going to say stru- structureless, but it was a different kind of passive structure. And I think they're trying to change some things and and implement a little bit more pressure and a little bit more, um, you know, closing the gap. And I, I talked on. Uh, I think I talked about it on Saturday. Their their D zone has been changed a little bit where they went from a very passive box, just letting teams basically use the high ice on them and f- forcing them to do switch offs with their center and their D and now they're more man on man down low just to keep pressure on and get the puck back a little bit sooner. So that kind of thing takes, it, it takes a little bit of time to perfect it because it, when I'm watching the clips and I'm picking out some of their D zone things, I, I still see that hesitation because they're thinking, right? When you, when, when it becomes automatic and it's ingrained in your brain, you don't think and you don't hesitate and you're a lot more successful in what you're doing. So their system changes are going to be, it's going to take a little bit of time, but I really do think on paper this team is a good-looking team. When Terry finds his game, when the defense sorts out this coverage, when Alex Burrows can, can get the marbles out of his mouth and get his message through to the, to the players where he's not uh, spitting all over them, but it's funny those videos of him coaching. It just, yeah, I just can picture him when he gets all excited and worked up, and he and he wants to get his message out, and he's so uh, passionate about the game. I've talked to a few players in Montreal, and they say he's been just absolutely great with them so far, and he's super passionate, and and they're they're excited to have him there
3: uh nice to catch up with you i, I guess uh, you know at times i think uh it just overwhelmed the amount of support and the love that people had across the country and around the hockey universe for walter gretzky do you have a walter gretzky story
2: uh i don't really have a a, a particular story which is, is sad but he you know i grew up 15 minutes from brantford yeah. so yeah, and mm. like I've, I've seen him around before i didn't have any great individual conversations uh it's actually unfortunate i never did but but I just know like he was he was the gold standard for how a hockey dad or hockey parent should act and and you know how hockey parents kind of get painted with a bad bad rap now yep. and you hear yep. all the, the the horror stories in the arenas of parents yelling at referees and fighting each other and you know yelling about their kids ice time and, and like I see it down here even but like in Canada it's it's, it's prevalent in some areas well he was kind of the gold standard of how to act. How very, very giving. You never heard any stories about him complaining. Obviously, had his son was the best player in the world, but but Wayne had just, haters'
3: juice, right? Like when Wayne was of course, a kid, man. There's some stories about how you know, parents were absolute jerks because Wayne was so good. Pass the right? puck. Yeah. But you
2: know those stories about? Did you did you hear at, at Wayne's eulogy how he sat, told the story about his kids uh, collecting all the golf balls and yep. and having him yeah. sign it and stuff? Well. Like that—that that was standard for me too, and, and it still is. And I know it is for for Kessler with Mike Kessler and and Tim Horvat. It's the same thing with our dads, and they they learned it from from Walter. Whenever I see my dad, and I might I haven't seen my dad for a year now. He's out there in Vancouver, but because of COVID, whenever I see my dad at the end of our trip, out comes the stack of papers, out comes the stack of pictures or cards, and it's like sit down and and sign all these. And I'm like, oh come on, Dad! Like I don't have. 45 minutes to sign he goes shut up and sign them and i do <laughs> and uh yeah and he just hands them out to like kids and to whoever he comes across that's a fan of me or a fan of hockey and that all comes from walter gretzky from him just promoting his son promoting the game giving back loving kids and and making hockey a, a fun game right for sure
4: yeah it's great i think someone texted in last week actually saying they'd played golf with your dad and he was an absolute beauty so um yeah, it's great, the tradition, to hang on. Um, thanks for this. Appreciate it, as always.
2: Enjoy the week. Yeah, you guys, if you guys think I talk a lot, you should have Big Al on the show, and it'll be a three-hour show of him talking. Oh, that would so be
3: awesome. we got to get him on.
4: It. Let's get him on. Let's, let's get
2: Al we'll, on for we'll five, We'll do us uh, both. We'll do both of us at the same time, and you'll see. I won't even get a word in.
3: Love it. That would be Love perfect. It. Thanks, Juice.
2: All right, guys. Talk Take to care, you. brother.
3: There he is, uh, Kevin Bx. Our presentation of Andrew Sheraton Limited, uh, your hum- plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud BC-operated company since 1892. All right, let's bring in Sonia Aslam from News 11:30. Man, has has like all the BC websites crashed yet, Aslam? It's vaccination <laughs> <crazy>. camping day.
6: <laughs> it's not combined. It's not just one website. I for your both. Sh-
4: oh, I thought you were booking shots at a campsite. Oh, okay, thanks uh, for clarifying. Yeah. Yeah, just so everyone's
6: clear uh yeah it's two i guess two really big days but really for most people just one big day i don't camp so i have no interest in the camping website but uh mass vaccinations begin in this province as of today so anyone who's 90 and older and indi- and indigenous peoples who are 65 plus can now book their appointment and you can do it on the phone you just have to wait in the queue and we're expecting the phone lines to have crashed or will crash multiple times. Um, and you don't need a lot of information. You need your postal code so they can tell you what clinic to go to, name, date of birth, um, things like that. And then if you're not able, because I know I'm seeing a lot of people on social media like, oh, you know, someone who's 95 is not going to know like how to book online or do it by phone. Okay, mm-hmm. but hopefully someone else can help them a granddaughter or grandson a family member, a friend, a neighbor. So if you know someone who's in this category, um, please help them. And then as of next Monday, it's the next. So what what they're doing is they're going down by five-year increments. So right now it's 90 plus. Next Monday, it'll be 85 plus and then 80 plus and so forth and so forth and so forth. This is it. This is the big day. This is it's happening. So it's good. It's exciting. My it's sister exciting. just got uh, my sister just
3: got her shot. Uh, she's a police officer in, uh, yeah. in Ottawa. She just got her for her shot uh, on the weekend. And my eighty-year-old neighbor, uh, he's all pumped up. He's like three more weeks.
6: Yeah, <laughs> I get to sign up right. Like he's mm.
3: he's doing the math. He's he's a nineteen forty-one birth year, so he's yeah. doing the math. So yeah, no, it's like you know. I, I look. I think some people would like to see it happen
6: faster, but. Uh, but it is happening. Oh, well. okay, sure, fine. I think we all would, but yeah. please keep in mind and have some appreciation, not you guys, but for anyone who's going to complain about this. We're just over a year into this pandemic, a year since we, yeah. quote unquote, went into lockdown. We should be so grateful and happy that we have. You Know four viable vaccines in this country. I don't think anyone could have predicted what happened to happen. So, a moment to appreciate any healthcare science. workers, science, mm-hmm. yes. doctors, experts around the world yeah. who came together to make this happen. So, I don't, I don't want to hear any whining about that. I don't, that doesn't, well, you're really
4: you're whining all morning. You're whining all morning <laughs> about the Canucks, you're whining about everything. No,
3: the rollout. it's a, yeah, come on. Come on. There's, a, there's, some, uh, there's for, for some room sure, to sure. nitpick a little bit here. Sure. Awesome. that's
6: on. That is logistics, and that falls to government and other agencies, but the actual science behind, no. oh, I wish I could have had the vaccine last week. Okay, well, no. Like, come on. Medical history. Yeah, sure.
3: Science history. I'm on board. We are literally. It's just the, the, roll, the rollout here in this country just,
6: eh, you know, the,
3: um, yeah. Sure. That could have been better.
6: Lots of things could if be you- better, but at least we're on track now, and we have hundreds of thousands of new vaccines that just arrived this morning in the country. So be patient, it will come. Just everyone take a deep breath.
4: You can book campsites, but not for the summer, right? What's what's the deal with that? Campsite booking began like at the top of the hour.
6: Yeah, so the website launches, and we saw what happened last year, which is it launched, and then I think at 7.01 it crashed, and then again at 7.03 and 7.08. It was a gong show. It was a gong show. It was a mess, and all we heard was, um, you know, complaints, people being really mad that they couldn't book a campsite. So the website has launched, but the B.C. government this year, given COVID restrictions, is only open right now to people who live in B.C., But this is sort of based on the honor system because you have to make sure that, you know, I don't just put in a BC postal code that I've made up. And really, I live in Alberta and then I'm just going to come over anyways. And so what's going to happen is that if you once you say someone like that gets through the system, they will be checked for their ID and whatnot at a campsite. So Rangers will be out in the spring, this summer being like, hey, do you live here? I sure do. Can you prove it? Mr. Labois, mm-hmm. who lives in Quebec, like I need you to, you can't be here. So, um, so I think that's going to maybe hopefully help is the fact that it's only open to this province. And again, I don't camp. Uh, Siebel, I know you love it. It's I know it's a big deal. Yeah, for you not guys. not in
3: April, not in April. So I'm I'm okay. I'm okay for the next few weeks. Uh, <laughs> talk to me when we get into at least June. I think. Uh, uh, like hey, look, there's people that there's winter campers out there. Like you know, you look at Manning Park. I mean, yeah. those campsites, uh, those campgrounds are are, I think, are packed right wow. now with people that can winter camp. And I mean, I don't, I'm not quite there. You need all the gear, right? You need the quality, kick ass stuff. But to you really know what? Kind of I, go, yeah.
6: I especially think especially when
3: it's cold, right?
6: I think now more than ever, though, everyone's like, I don't want to be at home. I don't care. I'll just go live outside in the woods for a week in April. It's fine. It's fine. I just need to go do yeah, something. Exactly. So we'll see how are busy you, it
4: gets. Uh, are you team Megan and Harry, or are you team Royal?
6: Um, I, I think I think the interview last night sort of opened a broader conversation. I, what, what I will say, and I'm not going to answer that question on the air, but what I will say is that out of that Megan and Harry interview with Oprah, what I really felt was a very underlying, strong message about mental health, and you can't yep. deny that of anyone. You know, she admitted that she got to a point where she wanted to take her own life. So uh, for me, the message was like, how important your mental health is. You don't know what someone else is going through. You don't know the struggle they may have, despite the fact that they may be smiling and putting on a great, you know, being on kind of thing. Your mental health is so important. We still don't talk about it enough. And if you do need help, I encourage anyone to reach out.
3: You know, I've I've talked to a lot of people, uh, a lot of friends, uh, family members, uh, I think over the last, I would say the last month, you Mm -hmm. know, and and I think a lot of people are kind of fraying here. It's been a long winter. It's wet. It's damp out here. And just, you know, you're waiting for that light at the end of the tunnel. We're getting close, but, yeah, I think a lot of people really starting to feel the effects of it. I think that's a, that's a fair point. Aslam, happy International Women's Day to you as well, Thank by you, the boys. way. Thank you, boys. You go, girl.
6: Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You're the best. All fine. right. Thank
5: you.
3: There she is, Sonia Aslam from News 1130. A busy day. Uh, a lot of people online already, uh, you know, ba- booking vaccinations, um, booking campsites. Um, hey. A sense of normalcy is on the way, and you know there's two steps right there. 27 minutes after seven o'clock, he's Perry Solkowski. I'm James Cebulski. Manon Rayon, Canada's first lady of hockey, will join us just after eight o'clock. In a moment, we're going to play fair or foul, a new segment here on the show. We want you to jump in as well and play along as well. We'll teach you all the rules. It's real simple. We'll play it next right here. It's game day on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.
0: Welcome to The Starting Lineup with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet
3: 650. 7.33. I'm James. He's Perry. Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning. Canucks and Habs, Rogers Arena, puck drop at 7 o'clock tonight. Don't forget, pregame show beginning at 5 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650. So no shortage of Canucks content. Uh, your Canucks commute coming up at 8. And we'll be joined by Menon Rayom. Time for a new little segment here. We're going to play a little fair or foul here on Sportsnet 650. You Feel free to play with us, 650-650. You got to take what's fair, what's foul. Listen along. You'll pick it up pretty quick. You ready for this pair?
4: Go ahead, bud. Yeah, okay, fair foul. You go. can start right. us off.
3: Greg, Perry, here's my first one. Fair or foul. Jim Benning is right that the Canucks are two years away from contending for the Stanley Cup.
4: Oh, it's, that's absolutely fair. I mean, that's logical. The The fact is, I don't know if Jim Benning is in charge, but I do think in two years' time, with the right moves made, um, you're going to have a core group of players that are, you know, 24, 25 older that they should be. And when I say contending for a Stanley Cup, they're a top top eight team in the NHL. I think that's fair.
5: I say right? it's fair as well, but it's foul because it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be two more years from now, but it's a fair statement right now.
3: Uh, you look at where the next wave of prospects uh, are. Uh, they're coming, but they're at least two years away from being ready. It's the old Bruno Caboclo, right? The uh, two years away from being two years away. <laughs> uh,
4: what do you got? Fair or foul, boys? Um, if the Habs fall short this year, Mark Bergevin has a conversation with Kerry Price and asks him about his no, uh, waving his no movement clause and makes him available to Seattle. And Price goes to Washington where he summers back to that state and is the linchpin and the man behind the expansion Kraken. And the Habs get out of that $10 million deal.
3: Foul. I think Kerry Price is sticking around for a while still.
5: Foul because they probably already asked him, and foul because I think Seattle has better options than Kerry Price.
3: I think if Kerry Price was going to go, he would have let that contract expire. What a few years before he signed the ten million dollar uh, AAV. Oh back, no, you're, you're signing for ago. the
4: money. You're signing for the money, but you also wonder where you are, and now with Jake Allen there and Kerry and struggling. I wonder if the team looks at it as we have go, boy, that's a that's a long ticket to be hanging on to. Maybe there's a way out of it. And hey, the expansion where he's from, maybe there's a situation there. We'll see. All
5: right guys, fair or foul. These NHL divisions are getting stale and boring. I need more variety. Come on. Like it's halfway foul. through the Man. year now
3: foul I've got to, I'm going to say foul on this one because uh as much I, I know some people have kind of griped about the groundhog day with this now that we've kind of watched half the season I've been okay with it though honestly like I've been okay from a meaningful game standpoint like last night you know there's there's the Sens and the Flames right I was into it I mean, I feel like i am invested with both those teams um you know love love one a little more than I like the other but you know no nah, man I I'm I'm I'm, I'm saying foul on that one Balak like, I'm not tired of these divisional games just yet.
4: Balak, you're absolutely fair with that comment. You know, great it's Montreal, great it's Defoley but I'd like to see what else is going on. You can get it, and I know all three of us because of the job, we watch our fair share of other games, games in the States, but you're missing guys. Like, you, you miss the Sydney Crosbys of the world to pop up and go, hey, they're going to be here in a week's time. Ovechkin's coming. Just something different. I'd rather have Montreal rolling into town than Anaheim and San Jose, but it's too much already. We're gonna get too much of the same old, same old. I enjoy the intrigue, but it's it's kind of turning foul on me right now.
3: Uh, six fifty, six fifty uh, is the Dunbar Lumber text line. If you've got a fair or foul submission, uh, how about this one? Fair or foul? Coming to America two wasn't that funny.
4: I didn't. I didn't look at it, James. Yes, on, on Friday night, we're looking at movie options. And uh looked at a little review, and I said, "I'm not going there yet. I, I don't think I need to go there, and I don't think I could last the whole duration." Huh? Did you try it? I was disappointed. Sure it, I
3: was disappointed. Yeah. That was, it wasn't that funny, you know. And I, I was excited, man. That trailer. I, I feel like all the best parts were in that two-minute trailer that we've been watching for the last few months. Yeah, I, I kind of fell flat for me.
5: <laughs> That's, why the last time <laughs> That's why it's fair. Eddie Murphy did something. That's why it's fair for me because I saw that trailer. Yeah. And you could tell it was not going to be a good sequel.
3: Yeah, man, like, everybody, every uh, man, I was excited. I was excited to see Wesley Snipes and see Eddie again. And, yeah, no, like, everybody was cast well. And, like, everybody from the original was there. Like, everybody. But, yeah, it just fell flat for me.
4: Uh, fair foul, guys. Before his career is over, Matthew Barzell may be the most exciting player to ever play in the NHL from BC. I'll give that title to Korea. No offense to Joe Sakic, who is Mr. Steady Eddie. But Barzell on Saturday was something. This kid's still so young. That Islander team gets better. He could be that guy that just lights it up constantly.
5: Foul. Big time foul. Scoring highlight real goals is not what makes you the most exciting player. Having a great long career, putting up tons of numbers is what makes you an exciting player. So he's got a long way to go before he reaches that point, Perry,
3: I'm going to go foul. Uh, yeah, I need, I, need, I need to see more. But man, that goal was, yeah, that's probably the goal of the year right now. I mean, that was absolute filth. Oh, my God, that was a goal.
5: Fair foul. Ichiro could still be playing right now if he wanted to. Man, he looked great filling in at uh, the Mariners' simulated game at their camp. He ended up popping out against Marco Gonzalez, but he looks like he can still swing it. Ichiro back in full uniform yesterday. Fair. Man, like
3: that. what yeah. that guy did to get 3,000 hits and not play his first Major League Baseball game until he was 27 – my God. I mean, watching Ichiro his first year in the majors with the Mariners. My, oh, my goodness. The speed off the – I never saw anybody – and I was a Ricky Henderson fan, but nobody exploded down the first baseline like Ichiro. I'd never seen anything like it.
4: I think it is fair. I don't think – like, he was effortless and what he, what he did, how he played. You know, we're, we're talking to BC players, Scott Niedermeyer, effortless is how he played hockey. Ichiro is that guy, I think, has the passion – He's always going to be able to pick up a bat and go, oh, I can pull it off. I agree with you. Just that smooth when he got it done, uh, when he was at his peak and, and showed it on the weekend too.
5: I've had coach to have too. You can have him fill in like that.
1: Yeah. Uh,
3: fair foul. Giannis and effort on Sunday was the greatest all-star game performance ever in NBA history.
4: Mm. There's a lot of good ones. I Listen, the NBA all-star game's awesome. Like, they should have a five-point line. I mean, the shots that were taken just over half-court were ridiculous the show that everybody put on but uh yeah Yanis was perfect i mean what what else can you do? he's perfect
5: i'm gonna say foul because james can you name me the top five all-star game performances of all time come on what are we comparing so, it to I'll, I'll, here I'll, I'll t- I'll
3: t- you know what i'll tell you what the, the, my my favorite okay t- the, the one that i still have at number Danny one Heatley? on my list <laughs> like, <laughs> come on. I'm staying away. I'm staying away from a hockey one, but from a basketball, you know what? I'm I'm still biased to the Magic Johnson when he came back after yeah, retiring with a- HIV and came back, hit the three to close out, but to have what, 25 points, I think, you know, nine assists and the fact that he showed that he could play and compete after t- what, what, what he did globally to kind of, to show people that had been affected by HIV You know, it was kind of initially when you heard that, it was like that was a death sentence, right? And the fact that he was able to go out there and play and be embraced and, you know, got the hug from Isaiah to show. I mean, what that did, I mean, I I think it was beyond basketball, but that's probably the one I still look at as as number one in the power ranking. But 16 for 16 from the field was pretty unbelievable yesterday for Giannis.
4: Um, fair or foul, boys. Parking your car beside another while the driver has his door still open and is getting out is absolutely foul. Foul. Mm, no. Sorry, say that again, Perry. You parking
5: your car while someone's trying parking to get out.
4: Parking your car. So so you you park and you're getting out of your car and someone comes park right beside you in that spot and doesn't even give you room to get out of your car first and doesn't wait for you.
3: Well, if you're parked properly within if you're properly mm. parked within, now you also have to rely on the trust oh. of the person next. I I, I understand. You know what? I understand. It is an inconvenience, but I mean it's a parking lot. What are you going to oh, do? No, Stop. It's foul.
4: Okay, let me tell you. On Friday I'm parking, I get out of my car, guy comes flying in beside me, I jump back so my foot doesn't get run over, he just misses my door, I'm about to go full on Tom Wilson, my wife goes, there's an an N on the back of the car, I'm going, you're kidding me, and the fact is there were seven or eight different spots around, but he decides he's going on in there, it was ridiculous. And someone's going. Depends how long you're standing there. No, no, no. I'm talking getting out of my car, moving at a good pace. The guy could have waited two seconds. I, I would have been quicker. Perry, you kind of oh, you don't no, you don't you're not foul. one you're not you're not one to move foul. with pace. You're and kinda, here's you're, his license plate slow. number. I'm going to give his license plate number right now over the air.
3: <laughs> you're, I don't no. know, man. You kind of <laughs> move like molasses on a cold day. I feel like you're probably lollygagging getting out of the car.
5: And what is it? You have to wait there for two extra seconds? Like, come on, Perry. Who cares? <laughs> no, no, no. The
4: guy had to wait. Balak, I was in the parking lot. I was just getting out of my car. Yeah, but if you see a guy coming, a... can you not just wait in the car for an extra couple seconds? And
3: hey, how about I this? Didn't,
4: I didn't see him coming. Okay.
5: How
3: are. about this one? Graham and Surrey asking uh, Fair or foul seems to be more fighting this year with conference play and divisional play. I'd say it's fair. Fair, for sure. Yeah. Well, you don't know, get these mini series, right? Like, look at, honestly, look at the Leafs and Canucks the last two games, right? Like, how much pushback and snarls after the whistle? Like, it was, it, there, there was a chippiness to it. And for two teams that aren't known to be chippy, right? I liked it.
4: I, I thought there would be more, but I do think as everything heats up in the next couple of months, we will see it. But, no, I, I agree. I mean, there, there's there's time for hate to grow, right? The, the relationships are growing and the hatred's growing, so I think that's fair.
5: All right, guys, fair foul. I'm going to go on my goalie tangent again here just to... You know, be true to my character. Okay, Uh, but I want people to listen to this because this is important. More people need to be talking about how the Canucks are wasting a year of development for Michael DiPietro. The 21-year-old has appeared in zero games this season. He spent the entire year on the taxi squad. His last game played was March 11th, 2020. Happy one-year anniversary this Thursday.
3: Yeah, I, 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 it's a, it's. Uh, it, it's a foul on the Canucks, and it's a fair point on your po- uh, on. Uh, so I don't know what the right answer is on that one. But you're right. Twenty-one-year-old goalies need to play a hundred percent. Yeah. But I. But I, like, what's the alternative if you lose a goaltender? Right. Guys go down. Um. You. You need something here, and I think you want your third best option up here. It's a bit of a damned if you do, damned if you don't, but I would totally subscribe to the logic that he needs to play. And quite frankly, I'm not sold completely on Mikey Pietro yet. He's small. By NHL standards today, he's small. And so he needs to play. I, I, I totally need to see more.
4: No, I agree. That's completely fair. But it's almost like, uh, you know, we talked about junior hockey where people are going to be missing out on a year, and I'm not so sure of his development. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting any better facing NHL shooters when you're not in game pressure situations? Uh, hey, they're they're getting screwed over by the by the whole pandemic situation. I, uh, you know, will he get a chance? No, it's just one of those times.
3: Uh, 7:45. Your Canucks commute coming up at eight. As a uh, Van City, we'll try to make it uh, three straight wins when the Montreal Canadiens, the ultimate kryptonite for the uh, Canucks so far this season, rolls into town. Mano Omeriome will join us just after eight o'clock. We'll dive into more and look ahead to the Canucks and the Habs next, right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day, people. Sportsnet
1: 6:50. We'd be a way better world if there were so many more people like my dad. Very special. We're all hurting. This is a tough time. I'm so proud of the fact that so many people have reached out and given him such great tributes because he deserves it. He has a heart of gold and just wonderful.
0: (laughs) Now more of the starting lineup with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
3: Not gonna lie, Perry, I immediately called my dad after watching that. I mean, I got emotional watching it. I got to call my dad. I love them. <laughs> Just uh, yeah. you know, unbelievable to see the outpouring of support uh, and love and the reflections. It was trend- Walter's rink was trending across the country uh, during Hockey Night in Canada and people posting pictures of, of outdoor rinks that meant so much to Walter Gretzky and obviously the impact that he had on the game. But, you know, here's a guy who was simply a hockey dad, right? Didn't play in the NHL, but the impact that he had, just being the father of the greatest hockey player ever, it's unbelievable how much he touched people
4: um i told the story once before uh, my one of my best friend's mom was wayne gretzky's uh maid housekeeper if you will uh when she passed they called me and said will you come and, and uh, speak and, and do the eulogy and i you know i said for, for sure right and then i thought okay how you know does Gretzky know this? How quickly through people could I get to Gretzky? And, and I did through a couple of emails. And so I, I got an email sent back. And I remember reading that email that, you know, Wayne wanted me to talk about in the eulogy. And I read it to my wife. I go, boy, does this not sound kind of corporate? And I just don't think Wayne Gretzky's that guy, right? And then I was leaving two days later, and I get a phone call from some number and says, hey, this is the guy. Are you near your computer? And I said, well, I will be in a couple minutes. They go, Wayne is going to send you something. I said, well, I got something. He goes, no, 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 Wayne Wayne is going to write it. And, and watching his eulogy on Saturday, it's just a guy talking about his dad. And, and see, ball the words that he sent about his housekeeper was just a guy talking about, you know, it's amazing in the world you live in. People look at the spotlight and think, oh, you have this and that. But it's just basic people that are there to talk to you when we're losing. And and his mom was that person to come home without family around and just talk. And and I think that's what Walter Gretzky was. And that's what Wayne Gretzky amazingly, and I'm sure there's Gretzky stories we've heard it, has kind of just been. It is the father and son to the rink for the love of the game and treating people right. And you're right to, to see that if anyone watched it on Saturday, the sticks, taps, the emotion, it's like Canada, people have said, and Ron McLean said, Canada lost their hockey dad on Saturday, and Gretzky lost his dad and his best friend.
3: Doesn't it speak, and, and not that I really want to go down the road, but, you know, you think back how big a funeral it was for Rocket Richard 20 years ago, like a state funeral in Montreal mm-hmm. at the time. Like, what's that going to look like when uh, the biggest ever. we finally say goodbye to, to Wayne Gretzky in this country? Like, is that going to be the biggest funeral that this country's ever seen?
4: Will ever see. Yeah, as simple as that, just right. because he's always he's always been there, right? You're, you're exactly right. Every network will have it. There'll probably be viewing parties if people want to gather together. Um, yeah. yeah, you're exactly uh. right, because that name is Canada.
3: Yeah. I don't right. think you can call it a viewing party for a funeral, though.
4: No, yes. <laughs> yes, bad <laughs> choice of words. <laughs> but guess what? Yes, terrible choice of words. Having a viewing party for what? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know what I mean. People uh. want to gather together. Um And I bet you flowers in front of every rink in North America and certainly in front of Canada. Let's hope we're years and years away and decades away from that.
3: Uh, 7.54 here on this Monday morning. It is game day. Canucks and uh, Habs from Rogers Arena tonight. Uh, we'll dive into the game, look ahead uh, to this evening, and uh, also be joined by, uh, hey, 30 years ago she made history, Manon Riom. on this International Women's Day will join us. Uh, the first ever woman to play in the National Hockey League. We'll dive into all of it next here on your home of the Canucks. It is game day here on Sportsnet 650. <music>
0: They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it right in
1: the mornings. We're gonna have to have patience. Realistically, like in two years' time, I think we we're gonna be real competitive and have a chance to compete for the cup. It's
2: just the GM in the media answering questions that he's being asked, right? So, what, what is he supposed to say? Nah, we're probably not gonna ever win a Stanley Cup with this group. Like, he's got to give you guys an answer at some point.
0: The Canuck commute on the starting lineup.
3: Eight o'clock, hour number three here on this game day on this Monday morning. Canucks and Habs, James Cebalski, Perry Solikowski, and a reminder that this hour of the starting lineup is a presentation from our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. And, hey, some quality efforts for the Vancouver Canucks the last couple of games here, Perrin. And look, does it feel like a long shot to try to get into uh, a playoff conversation? And it does feel a little silly to having this conversation right now, but hey, you know, until they're mathematically eliminated officially, I think you have to have that conversation. Canucks will try to make it three straight wins tonight against a team that has absolutely owned them this season. The Montreal Canadiens led by Tyler Toffoli in his 15 goals on the season, eight of those against the Canucks this season. Um, Look, this, this Canucks team's been playing pretty good hockey over the last few weeks, and now we're starting to see some results, having won three of the last four. Probably the most encouraging number here, pair. what we saw on Saturday night. A come-from-behind win, yes! Yes, not only well, did they sweep the Leafs, but they were 0-13-1 the first 14 games before Saturday night in which they trailed after two periods, and they did it. They came from behind to win a game, and they did it against the best team in the division.
4: Most encouraging number might be number nine because he has played like the MVP that he was, and J.T. Miller saying, I'm more engaged at center ice. I know we're talking Jim Benning. We played the clip for you know, in two years' time. Well, what about now? Has J.T. Miller solidified and caused Travis Green to go, you know what, even when number 40's back, and we don't know if Petey may be back tonight, J.T. Miller has to play center. They're a better hockey team with big bodies J.T. Miller and Bo Horvat there. And actually, Sutter and Beagles played his best hockey in the last week, too. So, James, we didn't think much going into last week where you got Winnipeg twice, then you got Toronto. You got, oh, man, it could be over again. Hey, three of four. If you can go 3 of 4 with Montreal in town, now the team you're chasing, as Chris Wall said in his sports update, I told you, enjoy March, just don't look at the standings. Hey, they would be tied with Montreal at least for points. You still have five games in hand, but they have to build up what they did. I thought their second period Saturday was great. Uh, And full credit for the final 10 minutes, how they pulled it out. This is a confident hockey team taking the ice tonight.
3: Uh, they are. I think you definitely have to keep JT Miller in the middle for the foreseeable future. The way that he has energized, uh, you know, Brock Besser, Niels Hoglander, you know, even Bo Horvat to a degree. But um, and, and you know, and here, and most importantly, you know, re-energizing JT Miller pair for a guy that has pr- probably the most criticized player on the team this season in the eyes of many, where. He's produced offensively, but people just have not liked what they've seen, whether it's his body language, his demeanor, whether it's his hustle in his own end. Uh, you know what? This is the J.T. Miller that this market fell in love with. This is the J.T. Miller that was in the discussion for Team MVP last season, these last couple of games. Look, the Montreal Canadiens have a four-point gap right now uh, over the over the Vancouver Canucks. And, and there's also the flames in that conversation in, in between Montreal and, and Vancouver. Um, there's also five games in hand for the Habs. But if the Canucks want to be serious about having this sort of conversation to say, hey, look, you know, we know it's 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 a deep hole that we've uh, you know a deep hole that we've dug. Uh, you got to sweep the Habs here. You got to take care of business. You're at home. Obviously, the numbers are against them based on what we've seen statistically against Montreal this season. But look, I'd say this is a different Habs team than we saw at the beginning of the year, with the fact that they've got a new coach behind the bench and some things have kind of gone off the rails for the last month. I mean, they looked great against the Jets the other night, but. This Vancouver team is a much different hockey club, I would say, at least over the last three weeks, and particularly this last week with Thatcher Demko kind of finally locking in here and J.T. Miller kind of re-energized. No Elias Pedersen, at least at this point, but I like the way Vancouver's playing right now.
4: Well, they're doing with five guys, as Kevin Bieksa told us in the 7 o'clock hour. It's almost like they're keeping it simple, right? With some pressure, moving the puck puck quickly against the Leafs. Hey, it's just like the Leafs were in Edmonton, and all of a sudden you can't see Dreisaitl and and McDavid can't get anything done. They did a great job, the two best players in this league right now in this division. Austin Matthews, you're waiting for him to put on a show every shift, and same with Mitch Marner, and they had their chances. Demko was there but give credit to everybody like they got it from four lines and that's what they're going to need it may not have been as pretty and I think this team can be uh, found guilty of trying to be really pretty with how they were scoring goals in the first six seven weeks of the season now it's just okay Well, let's fire the pucks at the net and see what we can do uh, and full credit for the way they bounce back and they were getting opportunities from everybody so I think they want to see Montreal because they were embarrassed, quite frankly, with every game they played against the Habs. And even when they won, it was ugly hockey. They just outscored them. Now I think they're looking forward to seeing if they can shut them down and, and let's see if they can get it done.
3: Well, look, you look at the way that they neutralized Austin Matthews and the season that he's had and the way they kind of neutralized most of the Leafs' offense. And, and that was a Toronto team that was playing really well, right? Like they only, Like they were playing very well after taking care of the Edmonton Oilers and then to roll in here. And maybe they caught the Leafs a little tired after on the on Thursday, Thursday night. But did. but there's no but there was no excuse on Saturday. Absolutely nope. none. You know, like the Canucks were the better hockey team and down the stretch. And um you know look, they have tightened things up in their own end. At least they're better now. I think you've got a clear cut vision at least for the foreseeable future. Like Thatcher Dempko to me is going to play in all likelihood every game except one between now and the week off that they'll get after the 24th of march just the way the schedule sets up they go tonight they go wednesday then they don't play again till saturday so you get an extra day off in between there uh and then next week same thing every other day uh and then you go have a you have a back to back with the Habs again in montreal that goes the 19th and 20th that's where i would see braden Hopi with his next action I think this is an opportunity here to take a good, long, hard look. And, and here's the thing. There's a sense of urgency for the Canucks, too, right? You cannot manufacture that in the minds of players. Like, they kind of know what's at stake here. They know that they need to go on a run. I think Demko mentally needs to knows that, hey, I got I to gotta be really good here. And, you know, in fairness, like, they also kind of got away with one on Saturday, too, right? Like, Demko had one that he probably should have had, that Tavares goal. And the Canucks still won in spite of that.
4: Well, I'll, I'll give Tavares credit for making a great shot, but Demko has made all the timely saves. That third period, Leafs come out, they're the better hockey team for the first seven or eight of it, but they can't score. And I would argue that I thought the second period the Canucks played on Saturday night might be as good as they have played. They had tons of pressure, and they give up the one goal. And you go, really? That's how it's going to play out for them? But finally, maybe things even out. They've played better hockey and left with nothing. They deserved what they got against the Leafs to beat them for the first time. Toronto loses a couple in a row to take that confidence. Unfortunately, it's great. You won. You've been on a roll. You can't afford to slide because you created such a massive pull to your start to the season. But they're getting it from everybody, and that's probably the big success where when they were winning games, it'd be, thank goodness, if the lotto line doesn't score, they've got nothing. I like how things are done. And even when Petey comes back, I'm not sure. Someone texting in, yeah, you shake up the lines a little bit. If you're winning with with Hoaglander and Miller in the middle with Besser, then you see where Petey belongs. Now, eventually he will be a centerman, and I think you're you're going with Miller, Petey, and Horvat next year if I'm in charge of this team to go, okay, let, let's fill the void on the wings because that's great depth up the middle. But Petey coming back, lotto line automatically, Miller on the wing, wouldn't make that move.
3: Uh, All right, 10 minutes after 8 o'clock here on this uh, Monday morning. uh, Canucks and Habs pregame show starts at uh, 5 o'clock this evening and then puck drop coming your way at 7 o'clock tonight with Corey Hirsch and Brendan Batchelor. It is International Women's Day, and to all the moms, the kids, the boss ladies in the world, we say happy International Women's Day and we say a happy International Women's Day to the first lady of hockey, at least to the National Hockey League, Mano Rayom. Mano, Good morning. Good morning. Do you? I, I, it's it's hard to believe what we're talking. Thirty years old since uh, since you kind of stepped in goal for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, does it feel like it's been about thirty years? It's about twenty
7: eight years. Uh, oh, but who's counting, right? <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me feel older when Oh, okay. My bad. I'm somewhere. sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. No, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy to think it's been that long ago. I, you know, I just felt like it still it was yesterday um so because i can remember everything about the camp about the games. so um, but it's it's great to see now where women's hockey is going and all the great things that's happening for all those women that's playing the game
4: uh, take us back uh how intimidated were you to face nhl shooters be it in practice then of course when you got in the game was was that the biggest adjustment, or what was the most difficult thing for you to adjust to when you were just a kid?
7: You know, when I went to camp, I didn't know what I was getting into, truthfully. Um, I was giving a chance to play at the highest level, and so many times when I was younger, people said no to me because I was a girl, and um, I had to take a different path. And then finally I got that chance, so I went for it not thinking through the whole thing, what how that would change my life. And I remembered, I think the most intimidating moment was the night before the first time we stepped on the ice, we had a team meeting and I walk into that room and I went sit in the back of the room. I saw a couple of French Canadian players there. And finally the coaches are saying, okay, nobody's sitting in front here. So everybody in the back, come sit in front. I remember walking down and looking around all those big guys. And I saw Tony McKechnie sitting there, which he used to play for the Quebec Nordics. I was a kid watching him playing, and now I was walking in the same room, same meeting. And I told for a moment, I had a moment of panic. What am I doing here? And the cool thing, is, the next day, we started right away with a mini tournament. And uh, the first time I stepped on the ice against those guys, I was in the game and I did not allow any goal in 14 shots in this game. My t- my team won, and that's after that game that Phyllis Puzzo announced the way she played today. You may see her in exhibition game. So it was kind of crazy that first day uh, to hear him saying that.
3: What's the first shot that stood out, or what was the one shot in that of those 14 that you faced that you go, oh, my God, I can't believe Was there one player, or was there one moment? Because there's always got to be one that stands out, right?
7: You know, the funny thing is that game, it went so fast. And I felt after I played that game that uh, I had a force inside of me. Someone else was helping me through this. Or like the adrenaline was so high. I remember like I made a save and I got ran into the net. And that's not something that was new for me because being a girl, playing with the boys, often the boys didn't want the girls to stop them. So I got ran into the net a few times. But that happened that first time. It was kind of like, okay, this is no different. Those guys want to score against me. So that's, I think that's one of the things I remember the most uh, about that first time on the ice.
4: I, I would think someone go, oh, oh, they'll take it easy. There was none of that come practice or anything, was there? It's like, all right, because those guys are fighting for jobs at the exact same time. Did, did you sense that?
7: Oh, absolutely. And not only are they fighting for job, but they don't want the girls to stop them. So guys was actually trying harder against me than maybe against other guys because that's, you know, you know how it is back then. Today, it's a little different the way the women's view doing their sports. But back in the 90, 92, like, there's no way a girl's going to stop me. And I think that's the way that the guys were shooting against me. They, they were thinking that.
3: Manor Ayom with us here on Sportsnet 650. Did, did you now, and, and I think to that point, you look at what that what that moment was 28 years ago. Did you feel much in the way of a backlash where it's a historical moment and here we are celebrating all these years later, but did you feel a little bit of resentment or, or people going, oh, come on, like what is this gimmick or this is silly, like women shouldn't be doing this? Because 30 years ago, you know, there weren't a lot of women around the game, I I mean, you know what I mean? Like even from a media standpoint, broadcasters, executives, you know, you just didn't see it like we see more now. And and I think we've still got a ways to go. But what was that experience like in the moment? Did you feel people kind of hating on you or was it all kind of widely celebrated for you?
7: You know, the, the difference now, I, I look back. When they were talking about what I did in 92, they were talking about the fact that I was the first female doing this. They never talk about my performance, um, how I earned the start in exhibition game. Today, I think my story resurfaced in a bigger picture, um, and now they're talking actually about the performance that I had to play while well in camp to get a start. And in camp, we had that mini tournament. I finished in the top three of the goaltender during camp, and nobody back then talked about that. It's almost like, let's not talk about that. (laughs) And let's just mention that she's a female playing the game where, you know, one of the coolest interviews I did, I was 20 years after my 92. I was with Terry Chris. He was in Nashville and doing the radio for the Predators. And he interviewed me. And one of the things that he said, I was the coach. When Phil told me a woman would come to camp, I was not happy about it at first. But I have to say, you earned the start. You finished a top three goalie in camp, and for me to hear that 20 years later, uh, it was just the greatest interview I ever done because it took all those years to for people to recognize and talk about the fact that I had to perform.
4: Well, Emeno, I wonder this because we talk about that that game you played, you know, in the NHL exhibition game, but. You were the first goalie to play in what most people in our nation, and maybe in North America, Phil, is the elite peewee hockey tournament, the one in the Quebec International. At that age, which I assume you're probably you're 12, 12 years old, I mean, was that the first time where maybe you heard it from the outside world? Really, this team's playing with a girl in goal? What are your memories of that Pee Wee tournament?
7: Yeah, I remember that uh, tournament, it was just like, kind of crazy, too, because in Quebec, we had to qualify to make the tournament because there's so many teams playing in Quebec. So the year prior, uh, I think they had to change the rules of the tournament because they had a rule that says, like, male player from a certain age. But they knew they had that young girls playing on a team that may qualify to make it to the tournament. And that whole year, like, people were kind of following what we were doing. And the day that we had to win a game to be officially in the tournament – They had media there. And it was kind of crazy because it all started back then. But when you're 11 years old, you're like, you don't really understand, like, all of it. And um, I remember after we we qualified, I had a chance to go play, to practice with the Quebec Nordics. And to be on the ice with them and did picture with Danielle Bouchard with my idol back then.
1: Yeah. And it was no just deets. like
7: one of the coolest moments. But my dad was my coach, and he was really good about every um, media thing that I had to do to include the entire team. So he was agreeing to all of it as long as the team was included, that the other boys on the team was getting interviewed. Uh, that was a story about our team. And that was really important because that really helped to – For me to be accepted with everyone and i didn't want to be treated different than anybody else on the team so that was the cool part and uh, my dad knew the importance of that and even people were asking for me to wear their equipment giving me free equipment and back then getting free (laughs) equipment was a big deal but my dad said fine as long as the entire team gets free equipment so then now the boys started liking having me on the team because they were all getting free (laughs) equipment too.
3: yeah we like free. Absolutely. That's still a big deal here in 2021. Everybody <laughs> likes free gear. Uh, menorion with us here on Sportsnet 650. I, I feel at times over the course of history that your story kind of gets forgotten, but you, you look at the way that we're kind of embracing what we're seeing these days, that you, you look at the moment that, you know, Kendall Coyne Schofield has, where she's flying out on the ice at the All-Star game a couple of years ago, and... Obviously, uh, you know the, what Hillary Knight's doing these days, and you know how we've embraced Haley Wickenheiser across this country. What's it like for for you these days when when people meet you or interact with you? Obviously, it's, it's been a unique year with COVID, but you know, typically when when people have a chance to, or or when you meet young players, you know, what what's that experience like now, Mino?
7: It's. I think uh, that's when I realized what I did. Uh what's a big deal? It's when people come up to me and said, "You're such an inspiration for my daughter, or you know my son did a project in you in school. I'm getting tons of emails still
1: wow.
7: uh to do story because of all those women that are doing great things now. um people go back to my story, so I feel like I've been busier in the last five years talking about my story that I've been like back in ninety two Um, so it's been really crazy, and talking about Kendall Coyne, that's a young woman that I coached when she was 12 years old, and I knew at that young age that she would go far, um, and and she would be successful, and you see now what she's doing, not only uh, with the All-Star game, but uh, she's a broadcaster, and she's also player development for the Chicago Blackhawks, same thing with Ellie Wickenheiser, player development with the Toronto Maple Leafs, so those are like great stories to see those women uh, be able to share their knowledge with men and they are accepted. Like when Kendall Coyne was named um, in that position, Patrick Kane tweeted like how excited he was to have her on board. Like how cool is that? Like the best in Chicago embracing having a woman coming and work with them. So um, this is the, what is really cool, what is happening right now with women's hockey.
4: Manorio, i joining us on the starting lineup. We kind of were celebrating hockey dads, of course, with the passing of Walter Gretzky uh, last week. Um, tell me, you as a hockey mom, your son was a goalie, is a goalie right now at Notre Dame University. Is that true?
7: Yes, he is. So I have so one a, a, goal, a goalie and one a defense.
4: <laughs> so uh, is it hockey talk with mom constantly, especially the goalie?
7: No, you know what? Uh, It's funny. Both my kids, I coached them when they were younger. And you talk to any other NHL players that coach their kids. For them, we're just parents. So we don't know what we're talking about. And we're just parents. And they rather hear it from someone else than us. So I coached them when they were young. And Dylan, we had a special relationship, obviously, because he played the position. But um, that's something that I always wait for him to come up to me and talk to me about things, the things that I'm able to to share with him or talk about it's the specific thing in the game that most people that watch the game would not notice. Um, a say that may sound very easy for most people. We know that it was a hard save or a goal that people may think it's a bad goal. We know that this one, the way it happens. So those are the talks that we're able to do as far as like him, what he do on the ice. He's got his goalie coach. He's got all his people that help him and I'm not there to change that. We're more like talking about like, what we see as a goalie uh, or if he played the puck and he made a certain play the difference that made in the play but nobody sees it but we both saw it.
3: Manon, it, it, it's hard to believe, like you said, uh, how time flies. It is crazy that it's been 28 years already, and it's clearly a story that's not forgotten, and it still resonates with so many. It's great to catch up with you. We, we share a mutual friend in Seamus Kodak who spoke so highly of you over the years, and what a wonderful person and personality. It's great to finally have a chance to speak to you in person, and happy International Women's Day, and uh, hopefully you'll remember this as your second favorite interview ever after the Terry Crisp <laughs> one, okay? <laughs> Thank you, and thanks for having me. There thanks, she man. is, uh, Manon Rayom. Uh, there you are, the first ever woman to play in the National Hockey League, uh, stepping in uh, and having that experience with the Lightning all those years ago, joining us here this morning on Sportsnet 650.
4: Well, and, and James, you know, we forget, uh, you know, we've been around for a while, but even the text line goes, you know, where could I watch the game she played or how do I get a Manorio rookie card? And I think I think, I, in our text group when we said, hey, we got Manorio, I go, man, how good would a Manorio Tampa Bay Lightning jersey be in the collector's <laughs> yes. world? Um, yes. But she could play the game. She wasn't big, right? But back then the goalies weren't six-footers. She had great reflexes, and as you said, if if her first time getting on the ice and they're playing mini-games and she makes 14 saves, uh, you have to be legit. There was not a gimmick. David Ayers was a little bit of a gimmick. Your Zamboni driver plays. Manori Ohm, you know, she's the test of time, right, since she was 12 years old, the Quebec Wee Tournament, to play and play and going, hey, I'm good enough to have this opportunity. Tampa Bay did it. They were a new franchise at the time, and she deserved the opportunity.
3: Would it not be a consideration to use... Um,
4: as an ambassador?
3: A, a, no, a, to use a woman as an e-bug? At what do you point, mean you lost me? An emergency backup goaltender. Oh. Um, well, but like, uh, like, you know... But like the, obviously, the, the pri- like somebody in the prime of their career and, and to where they're at. Uh, I mean, Mano Reyom, without question, is an ambassador for the game and, and, you know, talking about what the experience... I just think the, the
4: NHL could do more with her, though, Right
3: yes you know yeah i mean I, but, I, but you know but pair it took a long time for the national hockey league to recognize willie oree and his accomplishments yeah. and really like honestly like, willie's stories really only come to the forefront in the last five years again i mean he's been around and he kind of had but like really the moment has finally been embraced it took what over 60 years almost uh for, for willie oree right and so here we are almost 30 years later and kind of celebrating this story again for Menel Reyom, which, think about it I mean it's kind of crazy to think and you look at how far the women's game has come I don't think it's to where it they want it to be like if there's some point maybe to see like a a WNHL that is in line more like the WNBA and I don't think it's quite there yet and but the depth of the field and the competition and the level of play is is getting there right I mean I I think Ben I I shared that story in the six o'clock hour like 20 years ago we're sitting in the crowd there was a prominent member of the Canadian women's Olympic team sitting next to me, getting ready for an interview. And she looked at me and I thought, you know, hey, you know, she's probably happy that we're, we're, we're promoting the game. And she was like, I can't believe you guys are carrying like six games of this. This is terrible hockey. And we're talking about mm-hmm. women's national championship for Canadian university women's hockey at the time. Like this is 20 years ago. I mean, the level of play is, is improved dramatically.
4: But to your point about Willie O'Ree, learn from your mistakes. It's taken you that long in the last five or six years you've really put Willie O'Ree out there. You're trying to talk about the women's game. Why would not man be front and center to talk about, you know, we've been a part of this for a long time, and she was one who made history. Our text line, a lot of people going, who was she? What did she do, right? So tell that story. You're the NHL. She's a great spokesperson. Let her be there. But to have an emergency backup, I don't think the level of hockey is good enough uh, for it to be there right? I'd rather have a university goalie. If I'm the team and two points are on the line, I don't think it's there yet.
3: It is game day, uh, 650-650, the Dunbar-Lumber text line. Canucks and the Habs will dive into much more than uh, as we uh, inch closer to uh, puck drop coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. You got it locked in here on your Home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650.
0: Now more of the starting lineup with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
3: All right, 832, uh, your chance to call in now for the Pass the Puck Contest, a chance to uh, win a $100 gift card from Zephyr Epic, 604-280-0650. If you were listening to the broadcast Saturday night, uh, who passed to who? 604-280-0650 604-280-0650 It's Sportsnet 650's Pass the Puck In partnership with CanStar Fire and Flood, your life Restored fast So uh, we go to uh, Dale in Maple Ridge Dale, good morning sir How's it going guys, good morning I'm, I'm good, good morning you go. to you as well Sun's shining, nice day out there It'd be even nicer if you're walking away a winner do, do you know who was uh, which Canuck Passed to which Sportsnet 650 talent
1: I'm um, not too sure
3: and Take a guess
4: well, you need a guess, Dale.
3: Yes, sir. Oh, sorry, Dale. Nice try. Thanks so much for playing. 604 280 0650. So, so James,
4: someone someone from the Canucks passed it to one of our staff members, correct? That's mm-hmm. that's what happened?
3: That's it. That's exactly it. It's a Vancouver Canuck finding one of the absolute uh, pass to Perry. Mm. Uh, let's go to Jordan Langley. Let's see if Jordan knows which Canuck uh, passed the puck. Jordan, good morning. Hey, guys, I have no idea. I'll take a guess, so, um Gaudette? The hockey god, not the one. So uh, that opens up uh, 604-280-0650. Uh, the pass-the-puck contest, stumping a few. And here's the other thing that makes it tricky this morning. It's been two days, right? So on Saturday, if you were having a few, enjoying a nice sure. day. And now you got your mind blurred almost 48 hours later. So we'll keep the lines. Well, open but James,
4: I, I believe James, I believe, I believe, uh, if I was listening correctly, within the last five minutes, I think Ballack somehow, you know, snuck it in there. If I'm not, if I'm correct, because mm. I thought, oh, I, okay, I heard that. Okay. Well, well, let's go to uh, let's
3: go to Brian and Coquitlam from the Tri Cities. Brian, can you be a winner this morning?
2: I don't know. I'll try. I think it's J T. Miller. <laughs> On JT, uh, J.T. Miller.
3: Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you a really tall clue. Don't give any what clues. I did there? You see what no, I No, don't there?
4: give any clues. I'm not giving anybody
3: any clues. This said, I give you a really tall clue. 604-280-0650. Well, we allow people to continue to call in here. How about this story this morning? How about this so the vaccination line opened up for people over the age of, like, 90 or over here in the province to book their shot?
4: Phone in, yep.
3: Parrot, do you know how many people called that line in the first hour?
4: Well, I saw some reports that you're already on hold, going you can't get through. Uh, okay. In the first hour, vaccination. Well, I think you're, you're hinting that uh, maybe something broke down. I'm going to go uh, 15,000. One million calls. There are a million people Over 90 in our province? There's
3: 50,000 people eligible, but a million people called the vaccination line in the province. So either there's a lot of stupid people or there's a lot of relatives of individuals that are 90 plus that they're trying to book on behalf of grandma or grandpa or Uncle Fred or whatever. But a million calls to the line in hopes of trying to book a vaccination appointment here in a province that has... Five million people?
4: People. (laughs)
3: You had a million people trying to call. In this province alone, a million people in an hour at 7 o'clock
4: in the morning. Let's defer to stupid with the answer (laughs) as to why.
3: Jesse in Surrey, you're on Sportsnet 650. Do you know the answer? Tyler Myers. Nailed it. Nice. Jesse, you nailed it. What gave it away? The The tall clue?
1: No, I was listening a couple of days ago and I, I was just, yeah, I don't
3: know, it just clicked. <laughs> nice, nice. What what, you, what 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 what? congratulations. You got yourself a hundred dollar gift card courtesy of Zephyr Epic. Do you like the Canucks to go three for three tonight against the Habs or what? Uh no, I want Luke Hughes. <laughs> what? You're all about uh, you're all about tanking for Hughes, okay?
5: Yeah, oh, that's I, want, I want Luke Hughes. I want the brothers set.
3: You want the brothers, okay? You want you want the Hughes brothers uh, to get it? Yeah, it feels like it's a Ferrelli brothers movie. We're just waiting to be happy. But yeah, hey, listen, uh, thanks, thanks for yeah. this. Congratulations. Stay on the line. We'll get you all hooked up. Okay. Please. Thank you. All right, there you go. So uh, Jesse gets it done this morning. He knew that it was Tyler Myers hooking up one Perry Solkowski. Did you finish, pair, or did you
4: put it one? Yeah, I went that? shelf. Yeah, I, I completely went shelf. Reminder, everybody, thanks to Can't Star Fire and Flood, your life restored fast for this contest. Yeah. Let's, you know, the thing is, and we've both been on the ice with NHLers. When they start snapping it around, like it's full on. Oh, you're passing the puck. It better be ready. The teeth are clenched, and making that – Making that play. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll, you know, It's difficult, but listen for it again tonight. Batch will have it. And uh, look for another winner, I believe, on Scotty's show tomorrow when we pass the puck.
3: Yeah, full details can be found online at sportsnet.ca slash uh, 650. So Jesse's got himself hooked up with a... Uh... gift card courtesy of Zephyr Epic and also registered for uh, eligible to win the grand prize of a virtual Canucks alumni hot stove for 10 hosted by Sportsnet uh, 650 personalities and uh, also a four members of Canucks alumni taking part as well. So uh, pretty cool. It's the Sportsnet 650 pass the puck contest brought to you by CanStar Fire and Flood. Your life restored fast so uh here we go uh, canucks try to make it three for three tonight uh hopefully not in the eyes of uh, jesse who just won he's all about team tank these days but the canucks yeah. uh, with with two straight wins here trying to keep the conversation going trailing the montreal canadians by four points right now for fourth it's the games in hand though right it, it, which which is crazy here pair that we're now into the month of march Right? We're more than six weeks into the season, and the Canucks have played so many more games than teams. There's some teams that have caught up, but look at Montreal, like five games in hand still. Like, that is an insane amount of games. Like, you're talking about almost 10% of the season in a 56 game season.
4: Well, I mean, you got run like you did by them. You know, someone texting go actually, if you look at all the math and all that, Edmonton's probably the easier team to catch because you still have more games against them. But, yeah, it is crazy. But in the last month, you know, I think what we found out this last week is, is it's pretty tiring to hear a hockey team coach and players come to a podium after the game in which they've lost and said, you know, I, I thought we played well. And I think the fan base here was completely tired of it going – I could care less if you think you've played well. It's not going to do anything if you're not going to get any wins. And to pull that off, to come from behind, to beat the Leafs when they haven't been able to uh, do that all year long, to beat the team that the Leafs were rolling in and playing with great confidence, you know, I I just think there's a hesitation for people to believe. And like Jesse, they're going, okay, let's let's tank for another draft pick. But I think inside that room, they're going, we knew this was going to happen. We just had to keep on playing, and now we're getting the results. Let's see what they can do because – if they can get past Montreal and win two here, they'll be tied with them in the standings. Yes, five more games for Montreal, but it's just the belief that I think the Canucks team would go, okay, we can actually now beat everybody in this division. Let's see if we can get on this win two out of three roll. That will put them right back into the mix.
3: Uh, Brock Besser, six points in his last four games, and it's funny. like He scores on Saturday night. That's his first goal in eight games. Yeah, but he's been but he's played well. Like, but, but you know what it's funny? Like was like, Wow, like Brock hasn't scored that long. But yet the kind of the, the consistent narrative is you know he's been he's been good lately.
4: Uh, and I, I think that's exactly it. And you know, last year we watched Brock Besser trying to find a line to be on. And there's been some people texting in, and I don't disagree with it. If Petey is healthy, is it automatic that the lotto line goes back? I would not throw JT Miller up on the wing if if they get back together it's Petey. But do you look at it differently and go, you know what? We've been successful with Hoaglander playing there and Miller in the middle. Do you find another spot for Petey? Do you put him on the wing and don't give him as much physical presence and just let him learn and grow? Because to your point, Brock Besser hadn't scored an eight, but no one had been complaining about the way Brock Besser had played the game. And he didn't have to answer those questions, you're not scoring, you're not scoring, because Brock Besser is now a better hockey player than he was last year and very effective in the role he's been able to play. So maybe that's the growth of Brock. Do you need that growth, James, for Petey?
3: Yeah, no, I, I think you want to see that. You want to see that growth, and I think that was sort of the thought in the off season that hey, look, you know, the young players will continue to take a step forward. I don't know if it's quite been that way for both Patterson and Hughes, the the, the two cornerstone pieces. I think for this franchise, for from a long term standpoint, um, I'll tell you what though, if you want some encouraging numbers, uh, the Vancouver power play is starting to show some signs of life here. Uh, the man advantaged third in the NHL since February 13th. So if you go through a three-week stretch here now, Pair, the Canucks are operating at 31%. Um, They're going to need that against Montreal. They haven't beaten the Habs in regulation in almost six years. They haven't beaten Montreal since October 2015 since the last time they beat the Montreal Canadiens in regulation. And you know, you know what? I don't think you can afford a three-point game here tonight. I don't think you can afford a three-point game three point game uh, coming up on Wednesday as well. I think you need to take care of business against that. Like, if you're serious about trying to, to say, hey, look, you know, we want to get back into this thing, you've got to win these games against the Montreal Canadiens who currently hold down fourth.
4: It's as simple as that. Uh, you think you have, to, you have to win them both. Yeah, splits don't do you any good anymore. You have to get enrolled. You have to go into each work week going, all right, if we're going to play four games here, we have to win three of them. And those wins will get you back because you watched Calgary last night. Hey, a good third period by the Flames. They're down 3-1 against that Ottawa team that, you know, there's no lack of confidence. At least they fought back and got that point. The desperation that the Canucks have shown, It's your point, that power play. That gets a chance, and how often have we had them with that opportunity and they didn't have the killer instinct? It's amazing they've done it without Pedersen there, but they found a way, and it's going to come down to play some team defense, and can your special teams get it done? I have been on the Jay Beagle band for the last week. I think Jay Beagle's played some really good hockey. We both were talking about Chase Horlack. You know uh, there, there just seems to be a little bit jump in that fourth line, and, and that helps. This team was winning hockey games in the bubble because four lines could go. And right now, that's what's been going on for the last week, and let's see if it continues.
3: All right, some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintel Show. Um, we'll do that next, right here. It's game day on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.
0: Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.
3: Yeah, shout out to uh, all the women in the world today on this International Women's Day. Uh, there's Annie Lennox and Aretha Franklin back in the day. Sisters doing it for themselves. And uh, great catching up with Mano Rayom this morning. And uh, a, a moment in hockey history that I feel like kind of got swept under the rug at various points, but uh, more than just a trivia question. Per, nice to see her being celebrated and uh, and getting some love here over the last few weeks.
4: Uh, Yeah, no, way more than a trivia. But, uh, you know, she's gone on. Her her kids play hockey. And, you know, as she said, probably in the last handful of years, she has been kind of more requests. We'd like to talk to you, tell you the story. Yeah, I think at some point, you know, those are the early years of Tampa Bay. And, you know, we have seen in sports, here's the gimmick, here's the gimmick. And i think she worked very hard to make sure no this is not a gimmick and her career has shown that she went on and played a handful of programs was in las vegas when poker Redick was the number one goalie Clint malarchuk was still part of that and you know she deserved to be there it wasn't like you look at manuel reom's stats and go oh, okay she was lit up for every game as she mentioned to us she deserved to be there in practice and terry crisp telling her that you know you're one of our top three goalies you deserve to play that game in the nhl be it exhibition uh, and she handled it. So it, it's amazing. We've learned in the last 10 years to understand the power of women and what they can do. We celebrate it on this day. It should be celebrated 365 days of the year. We saw it in the States with their first female vice president. But Manon Olm, I think, could do more with the NHL to say, hey, we need you to be out. Tell your story to some kids. Mm-hmm. And James, don't get it wrong like you did. You said 30 years ago. She was quick. 48,
3: 48, <laughs> 28. no, twenty-eight years ago. Twenty-eight. Yeah. Did you just make her even older? Did you just say forty-eight.
4: Uh well, she said she was forty-eight. Oh, I think okay. when she referred to it being yeah. twenty-eight years ago. But imagine at twenty, right?
3: Oh my gosh, the pressure and how and, and how you're and how you're feeling, right? And, and that sort of moment, and not and what you talked about. Like you don't want to, you don't want to score. You know, how many guys were kind of thinking, I don't, I don't want to be the one getting stopped by a girl at, at that time in nineteen ninety-three, right? Like you know, to to think about that sort of perspective at the time uh, Scott from Calgary texting in here on the Dunbar Lumber text line here at 650, 650 asking any updates on EP40 tonight is it still as ambiguous as an upper body injury or do we know more upper body injury can be pink eye a la Walker for all we know uh, no updates just yet Scott nice little kick in the ass on Walker as well uh, at this point last update that we had had from uh from the team was day to day at this point uh, you know the Canucks will probably have their morning skate coming up in about uh, a little over an hour for now so we might get some clarity in about 2 hours here I'm going to assume pair uh on Elias Petterson's health status but Beer also texting in saying put PD with Bowen Vertanen. How about that one
4: Well uh, Beer, I don't disagree I would not break up what you have going with JT Miller alert center yeah. So if you get on, you know your best offensive player in Petey, and to shake it up and add, what if you hit something? Like, like what if you do that and, and you, you hit something and go, okay, hang on. Now we've got two really solid lines. Uh, as I said, you know what? Uh, necessity is the mother of invention, and take advantage of Miller at center, and it may change the complexion of this team moving forward, um, and you know make it easier for Petey to to play on the wing. We'll see if it happens.
3: Jake in the Ridge uh, Brock was glued to Tavares last game really impressed by his defensive game physical game against a Toronto team who we can see is not a playoff ready team because they can just not handle being leaned on I will say this this Mm. Leafs team will be a different one once Wayne Simmons is back too right like he really kind of allowed a little more a a little more physical jam in that lineup and I think that's that's something that they're kind of lacking right now but yeah I think the Leafs looked flat for the most part but I, I mean Let's give the Canucks credit here. They look good. They look really good, especially coming back in that third period. And I love the way they kind of closed out on Thursday night as well. So we'll see if uh, they can keep the good times going tonight against the Montreal Canadiens. Pre-game show, 5 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650. Puck drop with Batch and Hershey coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. Hey, we got a fun special guest coming up. Another goalie joining the show here tomorrow, Pair.
4: Oh, I tell you, the Habs in town, one of the best. And there's another guy who just doesn't talk a whole lot, Jose Theodore will join us tomorrow. So we'll get his take on what life is like, what he thinks about the NHL now. But boy, there was a good one who put on a Habs uniform, eh? Hey?
3: Yeah, he, had, he had a pretty good run. I mean, I still think, I mean, you talk about one of the more iconic images of the last 20 years of the NHL. How about Jose Theodore putting the toque on at the outdoor game in Edmonton, one yes. in 2003, uh- right? Like that. That image. Uh we gotta get out of here. We're back at it same bat time, same bat channel on Tuesday. Don't forget your homework assignment. Canucks and a song. We'll play the hits tomorrow morning right here on your home of the Canucks sports net six fifty.